0: Welcome to the AP Podcast. This is Mike Shea. My guest today is Mike Herrera, lead singer and founding member of the group MXPX. Born on November 6th, 1976, today, this day of recording, the 36 year old Bremerton, Washington native is currently on tour with his stand in group, I guess it's probably the best way to say it um, MXPX All Stars, we are out supporting the band's new record, the self release Plans Within Plans. In 2007, Herrera began a country band, I guess that's probably the best way to describe it, called TumbleDown, and have released two albums, an EP, and several singles to date. They are currently signed to the Indie, I believe, still, and Sounds Records, and can be found at TumbleDownHQ.com. He has his own merchandise company, Legionnaire Clothing, and owns his own recording studio there in Bremerton by the name of Monkey Trench Studios. To put things into perspective, MXPX have released nine full-length studio albums which is as many as Led Zeppelin released in their entire career, and as many singles as The Smiths, 23. They are currently celebrating their 20th year as a band and have been around longer than Warp Tour and existed as a band for the entire lifespans of Demi Lovato, Taylor Lautner, and Nick Jonas each. The band's website is mxpx.com, and Mike's Twitter is Mike Carrera TD. It has been a while since we've seen each other.
1: It has. So <laughs> this
0: is going to be kind of like a catch-up moment. Um, so uh, uh, you still are on that label, right? You're still- and sounds, yeah,
1: yeah. Technically, um, we haven't tumble down. Sort of on a mini hiatus. We've we've done a few oh. local shows. Just as I'm doing MXPX, I'm kind of just concentrating on MXPX, and I'll go back to tumble down. I'm sure, um, so but is that, is that I don't kind of- like to do it too much everything at the same time. I mean, I've tried it; it just doesn't work.
0: Is that kind of how it runs with tumble down and MX? Is that it's kind of like. It's like a pause button is on one of them. At one point or another, it's not like it's. It's like you know. Okay, I got to do MX tumble down pause hiatus. You know, then take that off and go over to tumble down and MX pause hiatus.
1: Yeah, and it's a, obviously an unofficial hiatus. It's not really like a.
0: It's not a dramatic a real hiatus.
1: Definition of hiatus. I was just gonna but say. um, what does that even meant? What's the what's the etymology there? Where's that from? Hiatus. Hiatus.
0: It's probably doesn't sound very American. It's probably a relationship term. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um. Uh little known fact and I don't know if you if this has changed since uh, uh we last uh, talked but you don't know Spanish very well. I don't know. And even though it's your People get
1: so pissed. No, I don't know if they get pissed. They probably get frustrated cuz uh we do we do have a lot of um fans in Latin America in general and uh they always are like habla español and I'm like, "Yeah, not really." Poquito, you know that whole <laughs> bit comedian I don't remember which comedian it was, but
0: like yeah, I know Spanish. Poquito. That's <laughs> <laughs> like what everybody knows, right? You just right. You, you don't even have the lonely pla- planet Spanish down. You just have like yeah the, the drinking Spanish. Pretty right? much, yeah. yeah. Dos
1: cervezas por favor.
0: <laughs> <laughs> it's it's probably the important Spanish to know. I'd probably say so. Uh, okay, so you were you born in Bremerton?
1: I was. I was born in Bremerton. So
0: you actually, all right. Mm -hmm. So you were born in Bremerton. So you're born and raised in Bremerton. And, you know, just looking around, I mean, you've done, you know, I don't even know how, it's got to be a five figure number of interviews you've probably done over the entire 20 year period. But um, at least those that thought they were interviews. But, uh, you know, you never know. Um, Yeah. But do do you, um, there isn't a whole hell of a lot about your youth. I mean, it's kind of right. like I oh, was born and boom, and that's it. And all of a sudden, he started a band. And mm-hmm. so, what what were you like when you were like in grade school and a kid? Like, what kind of kid were you?
1: That's obviously subjective. It's like what I remember. Is that really what I was? Um, <laughs> a lot of times, I don't even know. Sometimes I'm because, like, as I learn things about life and about just who I am now and what I've done to get here, I often. Do sort of just wonder, okay, how much of what I remember is really what happened, and I think life can be subject subjective like that because uh, people remember things differently. So I remember myself as I don't know, um, always being a little standoffish, a little afraid to like you know stand up alone, uh, definitely afraid of public speaking. Um, I started, I was in choir. And I, I, you know we we were made to sing in in elementary school, church, that kind of thing. But when I when I started junior high, I started singing, you know, in the choir and doing solos. But I was always so so nervous to to do that, and that that wasn't any new thing for me. You know, as far as just being nervous about doing something new. Um, I think just with anything in life, you know, the more you do it, the more comfortable you are, and that's just. That's just basic, and and it was probably a lot of that, but I think I was a little more nervous than, say, your average person should have been, but maybe everybody else was nervous too, and they just weren't letting on.
0: Were you the youngest, or were you, like, how many brothers? Like, you um, two sisters. Two I'm sisters. I'm the middle,
1: middle child. You're the middle one. My uh, older sister was three years ahead, and so she, I definitely learned, like, about Depeche Mode and New Order from her, you know, that kind of music. And my parents were listening to like Michael Jackson and uh, The Police and, and some other horrible things, uh, but I, <laughs> but I was I was uh, I was
0: always Sting is a bassist. Love. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's actually I mean that's a story that I've told before. But just how I kind of partly why I started playing bass was my mom suggested that I play bass because Sting played bass and sang, and I was. I was uh, wanting to start a band and I had started out singing, but I didn't want to just sing. I wanted to have like real value. <laughs> <laughs> and so accidentally I chose bass instead of the drums. Everybody knows everybody always needs a drummer. You'll is, never be out of work if you're a good drummer. So is
0: that what you wanted to do? You want to do the drummer? Drums Well,
1: drum? drums are always we're always cool because you know you've got this giant apparatus and you know, I don't know. it's just I, I think as humans, things you hit. Are just kind of natural, like inherently, if it's not an instrument, it's a person, yeah. It could be a person, but uh, you can call it art. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, you can get paid for it, I mean, it's, yeah, you know, yeah.
1: but uh, you know, I quickly realized that drums were there was too much going on there, so I just i had an in- inkling to like sing and uh. So I started playing bass, and my mom suggested that I play bass, you know, because of Sting. And I, I liked the police, and and all of that stemmed from my mom as well.
0: So, how do you, what what was the trigger that got you from being the shy kid that was afraid to stand up in front of people to all of a sudden wanting to be in a band?
1: I don't know. Um, like, were you doing- well? I, when I was a kid, I, I would jump off the bed. Like, we have a video for MXPX called um, "My Mistake," and the idea came from I was like, when I was a kid, I used to do like all kids do. Sing in front of the mirror with the comb, or uh, you jump off the bed with your guitar. You know, like I would put on Brian Adams, and it was Brian Adams' Reckless, the album with Summer '69 on it, and I would just play that super loud, and it just sounds so reverby. It it almost like sounds like a live album, even though it's not. And I would jam that and act like I was, you know, on the stage. So I think from an early early time, I wanted to be on a stage doing something, but I was still too, I was scared in other more personal sort of interactions, like one-on-one stuff, or just like basic, like walking up to strangers and talking to strangers. Like I hate doing that, or I hated doing that. I I don't mind it so much now. It's a mood thing as well. Sometimes you just don't feel like talking to people, but other times it's just like you meet somebody on the street, some old guy with really cool stories and you just wanna keep talking and keep talking.
0: Yeah, there's a big difference between, you know, that concert audience that's in your bedroom in your head and the concert audience that awaits you outside the bedroom.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
0: (laughs) Because the ones in your bedroom never walk out on you. That's right. (laughs) Right. And
1: they always show up. (laughs) (laughs) Stay till the end.
0: So who were the people that you had on your wall as posters when you were a kid? Like, who did you, I mean, was it Brian Um, Adams? Was it who else? Like, who are your idols?
1: well i mean how far back do you want me to go
0: you know up to up to when you were starting you were like okay i'm gonna start a band
1: um well i you know i got into the first tape i had was Stray cats but i didn't like them because they're rockabilly or anything i just liked this you know my mom suggested that i check it out um she obviously probably had a crush on brian Setzer or something i don't know why <laughs> she'd be listening to Stray cats uh so I got into Built for Speed, that album, that cassette tape, and played that all the time, played the Violent Femmes all the time. Um slightly before that, I was mainly listening to like just Huey Lewis constantly, Brian Adams, like real pop kind of stuff. And um I, I went through a a phase of of listening to like late 80s, you know, MC Hammer and all the hit songs from from like what what whatever it was top 40 at that time. Um you know who hasn't jammed MC Hammer in their, you know, on their Walkman. You know, I had the Walkman. I used to have to um, uh, bring wood up to the front porch, and that was like one of my chores I had to do all through growing up. We always burned firewood, and um, actually, where where our old studio is or was at my parents' house, uh, the clubhouse that used to be a woodshed. And so we, when oh. we built that studio, we didn't build the whole thing, but we did some of the stuff that we could do—simple stuff like shoveling out all the gravel where the wood shed was, like that kind of thing. So it's, there's before I ever thought of you know band life, there's this whole life of drudgery of me like stacking wood, and I would always have my Walkman on, and it would be either you know like the Colt Electric, and I jammed oh, cool. I jammed that like constantly while mowing the lawn. Um, MC Hammer, I can't remember the name of the record. I mean, just random stuff. So it wasn't like that I was only into certain kinds of music. And when I discovered punk rock, um, it was it was through my cousin. Um, she was into Black Flag, uh, Henry Rollins, sure. uh, a, lot of, a lot of the, the Seattle punk bands and, and such. I was into... Right about the same time, she sort of like... Introduced me to that kind of stuff. Uh, Henry Rollins, I think one of the albums that I was listening to constantly on my Walkman was End of Silence by mm. Henry Rollins. It was mm. like a really heavy, like, and I was like, okay, this is very Seattle. And, and then, but I was kind of, when I, once I discovered The Descendants, I was like, this is what I've been sort of, like, this is the gap or the bridge of the gap between sort of where my roots were listening to bands like, uh, you know, Huey Lewis and real pop stuff from when I was a young child um, to something that I want, was into, which was skateboarding and, and all that, you know? And, and I've gone through, you know, listening to Stevie Wonder and all that and, you know, all the hit songs and stuff that you hear on the radio, whether it's, you know, Jackson 5 or whatever. So the Beatles obviously were a big influence on me as well. Jeez, um, I'm just going on and on. But uh, so getting to punk rock, you know, I finally finally kind of like – Discovered that there's this sub subculture, and and in my mind, listening to to Alroy's Revenge or something like that, I didn't have like I didn't have a magazine with them in it. I didn't have I didn't even have the actual album. You know, when I first got it, it was a dubbed tape, and so in my mind, I created this whole world of like what this band's show was probably like, and and. So I saw their show in my mind before I even knew anything about the band or what anybody looked like. And so I finally got to see them live at uh OK Hotel. I was still in, in I was in junior high. I was in ninth grade. And the band I wasn't in a band yet, or I was in MXPX yet. So um I went and saw them at this show and it was my name and those guys. And I think I think Coffin Break might have opened or somebody like that. That sort of a a band that people from Seattle would know but um, that to me like I just was at a real show and it just felt different I had gone to a few shows here and there before like I went to U2 uh, and you know it was an amazing show but it was a, a huge rock arena so right. now I'm all of a sudden at this sort of bar some taboo type place where I really sh- probably shouldn't be you know as a kid and uh, it's a school night and you know I'm like okay well I gotta take that last ferry you know <laughs> But, uh, you know, my parents let me go, so I was stoked. Um, So seeing that, you know, opened up a whole new world and it bridged the gap between, like, what I knew of music, which was this thing where everybody's huge, everybody's in an arena, to, oh, there's different levels. There's these kids playing punk right down the street, and I'm going watching their band practice, this band called Bad Juju. Um, I would watch them practice, and they were amazing. They sounded like Bad Religion-type, Bad Religion-type, you know, just fast melodic mm-hmm. kind of punk rock um you know and so after that i was pretty much like on my way to you know listening to all these new punk bands the clash of course got right into the clash the ramones uh black flag all that we just so, accelerated from there yeah yeah and i was going to tons of shows and
0: well you know the the, the thing with punk culture is is that it is a culture and it is a it, at its best parts, it's it, it is a, like a, a subculture, and its worst parts, it's a clique. Um, and um, so, what about it at that time appealed to you? Like, what did it what did it bring to you? That was it just the rebelliousness of it, or was it the you, you kind of felt like there was a you know kind of like a, a, another family for you, or like anything like that? What what did punk rock culture after all these years?
1: Yeah, yeah, you right. know, I
0: mean, because it's probably when you think about it, it's probably close to twenty five years now, 20, 23 at least.
1: Yeah, you know, it, I, you know, I get into things, um, things come and go that I'm really into, you know, and I've had my rockabilly phases and my country phases, and you know, but punk rock once I discovered it has never gone away completely ever, and that's the one thing. Like I sometimes listen to hip hop, and I sometimes listen to just old country, or sometimes I listen to to uh, classical, you know, it just depends, you know, but I always come back to punk rock and I don't know why that is, you know, maybe it's just, uh, I don't know what drew me to it. I I guess it was just, I felt like one, I was interested in what those people were interested in and I don't know. I just, I was, but I never even felt like I belonged there either. You know, so (laughs) I had to start my own band, you know, to kind of do my own thing. Because, um, and even when MXPX started, we were not really accepted, you know, in any sort of real group, you know. Um, Was it
0: because it was where you guys were from, or was it because you weren't associated with the bands that were already there?
1: Oh, we weren't really associated so much with the bands, and, and we were too poppy for the style that was popular in our area like it was a, a lot of like heavier punk and metal stuff so i mean the misfits were obviously big so that so that style of punk rock mixed with a little more like heavy hardcore stuff um you know and and that's all like a, an underage sort of like all ages show type scene um we had nothing to do with like the grunge scene or or even the the punk scene that would probably was Flourishing mm-hmm. while we were over in Bremerton doing our thing, you know, there were bands like Coffin and Break, and they were just a little older. And uh, you know, I feel like as 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 uh, we've gotten older, obviously, we have our own peers and our other bands that we're friends with. They're just not always like concentrated. Sorry, concentrated in like one area, and that's what kind of makes it kind of hard for bands that are just constantly touring and and touring so soon is. You know, we never really I mean, we had a lot of great, great like local moments and local shows and tons of memories. But ever since we started touring, that's completely changed. Like, yeah, we come and do a show in Seattle or in Bremerton, but it's one show, you know, every however many years, maybe once a year at the most. But um that kind of makes it harder to like really have stronger, strong roots in your in your community but also in your, well, mainly in your live music community. Um, but, you know, in, in turn, we we see people across the world that, you know, aren't from there, that are from somewhere in the States or somewhere in, from Australia. We'll see them in Europe. And they're other bands, friends of ours. So you kind of like, you give up the local community for an international community.
0: Did you, um, when you guys were, and I do want to kind of talk about how that all came together but i'm just kind of curious from when you guys started getting your shows together did you find that the you were fulfilling a market that was being unmet like you were like now you all of a sudden you were the pop side of it and they're like nobody was doing that or and so people like the (laughs) promoters and stuff are like you know what i'm actually getting tired because you know whenever there's a new sound, it immediately gets filled up. Yeah. So then there's a 100 bands doing the same sound. So I'm wondering, did you stand out and that was good, or did you stand out and that was bad, and they didn't know what the hell to do with you? <laughs>
1: well, I'm sure we weren't any good. I mean, it took us quite a long time to get good live, and I think we were just filling a void that wasn't really there.
0: That wasn't there. That wasn't there. <laughs> so,
1: I mean, there were like a few touring bands that, that filled what we were doing. Like, we always got compared to Green Day. You know it's simple three chord punk you right. know and it, it's sometimes political and sometimes it's just about slacking off and relationships it's like all the things that that you know everybody goes through you know and you're not angry you know i mean we're always angry but you but it know, wasn't like
0: black flag angry no uh, you it's know. different yeah, right, yeah, yeah, yeah
1: definitely yeah. you know we had different circumstances we didn't grow up you know completely um well I'm not going to presume I know exactly how Black Flag grew up or whatever. I mean, Black Flag is one of my favorite bands, and they feed my anger in mm-hmm. in a good way. I feel, uh, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it's obvious that you know most people, especially today, uh, you know, have grown up in some sort of some sort of like comfortable life. You know, there's just it's the odds are that if you're from America and you're an adult right now, you've grew up in a pretty decent home, even though you know. Tons of people can claim that, yeah, we were kind of poor, but we still survived. I mean, but you know, I think that that was different for my grandma's, you know, my grandma was, all she knew was the depression and it was completely different. So I think maybe even there's gonna be young kids that are gonna be growing up a lot different than the way we grew up. You know, maybe a lot worse for some people that have been out of work and losing homes and, and natural disasters and all this, you know, things that I feel like we dodged a bullet you know, when I grew up and the time that I grew up was pretty peaceful. I mean, at least because the internet wasn't really around as far as we knew (laughs) things were peaceful, you know, and and it's funny because like political events and and historical events that happened during my time, I wasn't really paying attention to. We weren't really um, taught to really take it all in and... I don't fault like you know my school or anything I just think that it's just some people pay attention and some people don't so i I think as I grew up more and more, I started paying more and more attention, but in a lot of ways, I feel like I was a a late bloomer when it comes to <laughs> a lot of world views but uh a lot of that just is because I was so busy just busy doing what I was doing you know
0: when you're when you're most famous releases obviously and your fan favorites is you know it came from bremerton and was there a regionalism problem for you guys like did did the people in seattle that were in the music scene when you guys were starting out did they kind of say oh that's they're from there
1: right bremerton it's never been a, a cool like- place to be from it's uh it's a military town so it's just a lot of like random people and um you know actually there's a lot of people that come through that are fans of mxpx that that are stationed there and they kind of get a kick out of the fact that they're in bremerton um and you know all over the world you meet a lot of people that you know knew somebody knows somebody that lives in bremerton used to live in bremerton you know it's just so strange and usually they know of mxpx but sometimes they don't and they still know of bremerton so that's kind of cool i mean it, it, but but in Seattle. Because it's across the water, it's like this other place. It's this ooh, you know, this like Staten Island I'm thing, you know. <laughs> I'm sorry, Staten Island. It's you, you know, you guys get falsely, uh, I don't know, vilified for a lot of things, but we love you.
0: <laughs> so, so what? What is? And I know you've probably told this story, you know, out of that five-figure number again. So, what? What grade were you in when? you became friends with Yuri mm-hmm. and Andy I mean did you know Yuri first or Andy first and
1: I knew Andy like my whole life okay we were friends like best friends Andy all Husted. through yeah Andy Hustad our, our original guitar player and once i i had gotten together with some some kids from school and we jammed out couldn't really put much together nothing was <laughs> no, nobody was playing the same song basically <laughs> and i was just singing and so you know <laughs> <laughs> the drummer was pretty good and I was hanging out with these guys, Bad Juju, up the street. Um and I would like ride my bike down there and watch them practice. And so I was like, Okay, this is what a band should sound like and they needed a drummer. And they're like, You know any drummers? I'm like, actually, yeah, the guy, my buddy Jeremy's, you know, pretty good. So we brought him over and he ended up playing with the band the rest of their career and like they did pretty well as a local band. Um, I was always like, wait a minute, you stole a dr- Wait, you didn't steal a drummer because I, I kind of let that happen. I was like, okay, I know how this works now. <laughs> so like the one guy that was good out of everybody there, you know, in my group of friends. You what, gave you away. Know, I gave away. <laughs> so so uh, once I found another, another guy, um, Yuri, he was introduced through a friend of mine. And uh, he wasn't amazing, but he was pretty good. You know, he was a beginning, and uh, he could play. So it was, you know, at that point we we just kept it going. But going back to Andy real quick, um, we we our families um, sort of were friends. Like my mom and his mom were best friends. Oh, so um, we just hung out and did like family stuff. We'd go to their house. They'd come over to our house for the evening for dinner, whatever. We'd go camping together, that kind of thing. Like that was like family, you know sister family i guess you could say um which is so weird to me now because like you know once you know later in life like no, p- that's just a weird thing to think about but like that actually <laughs> happened in my lifetime like we had family outings and you know we were all together i guess that happens you know when everybody grows up moves away gets real jobs that kind of thing right but so anyway, that's how I know Andy, you know, and and I was like, man, i'm you know I'm gonna start playing bass, and I need a guitar player, so if you're interested, you should play guitar. you're in the band, and so he literally didn't even have any interest in music, goes and rents a guitar, an electric guitar and and gets lessons. so he's getting lessons, learning to put these chords together, and I'm writing songs.
0: You remember the and, very uh, first song you ever wrote? um <laughs> yes, I do, really. Uh Kinda. The, what was the name of it? Um,
1: I think it was called Acid Trip, <laughs> <laughs> and, it, and it's very grungy. Was, you it, know. was it your
0: Hendrix tribute?
1: Or uh, what was it? You know, it it was just kind of like. uh Do you remember any of the lyrics? It was just like I'm on an acid trip, duh, and this it just had this guitar riff, you know. And I don't remember any of the other lyrics, but it said that over and over <laughs> in the chorus. <laughs> Well, that's that's what it makes was a good horrible. chorus. It was horrible. Repetitiveness. right? Yeah, yeah, it was pretty funny. So, that obviously never got recorded.
2: But.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we tried, we tried to jam it out. I think, I mean, you know, I was taking all these these different things I had heard. You know, whether it was U two and or the police or stray cats and and sort of in violent femmes putting it all together and it made for a really strange sort of sound i mean i wasn't didn't really have my voice my punk rock voice yet um it was more just i was repeating these random lyrics that i was just making up oh that rhymes cool but um the i guess the main thing like with starting out was i was just doing it i wasn't really thinking i wasn't overthinking okay this is silly i mean a lot of it was silly <laughs> But I didn't realize it at the time, and so that allowed me to grow fast. And I just kept writing songs, and and there's like, there's I mean, gotta be 50 plus songs that I wrote before poking at you. Um, And I had a lot of them recorded, um, not drums, but I had them recorded on on an acoustic guitar, and I would do like backup vocals, and and I would actually record with the guitar into the boombox. Oh, sorry, not I would I would actually record the uh onto the stereo. My sister had a stereo with a microphone input. So I'd record the cassette on that with a boombox playing like a guitar part. So I would sing to it and then I would just layer that. So that was like my pretty recording good. process. And it sounded horrible, but
0: <laughs> I mean, it's it's pretty, you know, most people wouldn't have done that far, so that's pretty cool.
1: So that's what I'd started out doing as far as recording and you know, I've always I've always enjoyed the process of of um songwriting. And then, okay, here's a song that you wrote. But then, how are you gonna make it? How are you gonna record it? And oh man, there's so many painful, painful recordings I have of of my old stuff and the way I sing. Like I used to think that okay, because you can turn up the vocal, you don't have to actually talk loud. Like I didn't understand gain ratios and and the actual sound of of, of the your voice. Would change if you sing louder. It'll actually the tone will change. So I didn't realize that, and so I would just sing real quiet and then just turn it up. So it just sounds like really loud quiet singing, and <laughs> it's just so
0: bad. It's a really great indie rock band idea in this someplace. There you go. Yeah, yeah. We'll see. We'll where, see. Did, where did your where did your vocal style come from? Because you have a very identifiable. I mean,
1: it probably came from Huey Lewis. If I had to, I mean, I would say Huey Lewis. Um, uh, I'm sure there's, uh, you know, the descendants. Hmm. Um, and as far as, you know, Elvis Costello, midway through our career, Elvis Costello was a huge, I mean, I basically ripped him off at all costs. <laughs> and uh, so, you know, and then I guess I, I feel like on live, I, you know, this is the problem is like, I hate how I sound on recordings usually. <laughs> um and i i somehow don't mind how i sound live but it's because it's coming out of my own head so i think the problem is is my actual voice is the problem <laughs> so <laughs> so uh but you know if i could just do live you know in the studio then i think i'd do better so i i really tried that on this new album plans and plans to to sing a little bit more just off the cuff and Harder. I don't know if it came across, but
0: you you, know. But you, you feel.
1: I feel happier with it. Yeah. It's just ridiculous how long it's taken me to. I I guess I'm making sort of like small corrections as I go in life. So it's. So with you know every few corrections, I look back and I'm like, okay, I can't believe I even used to do that. But you know, it's just these small increments of of hopefully upgrades.
0: There's always that record or that song. Um, The final release of a song that every single musician, and it's definitely for a singer, where they do, they get older and they go, Oh, I'm like, Yeah, oh, I would yeah. so redo all that. Is there, what's that one?
1: Um, Or that record? The whole album poking at you. <laughs> <laughs> really? Just, I mean, I, it's been said it.
0: over and over again, you guys don't really like the first stuff. No. So.
1: I mean, and, and it's not even the songs, per se. It's... Uh, it's the
0: recording quality, right?
1: Not even the recording really? quality. you guys have talked
0: about that. It's the production of it.
1: It's the production, as in, okay, we could have used a little editing, for one. Editing, and then vocally, we didn't do any retakes. Like, it's basically a live vocal, which, yes, I know Elvis and Hank Williams and, you know, Richie Valens and all these guys that actually have amazing talent can do. But um, I definitely wasn't ready for it <laughs> on our first album to to be singing live in the studio. I mean, it wasn't live to the band, but it was just like a one take. OK, we're rolling. Go ahead. And then I'm singing, you know. And there wasn't auto pitch back then. There wasn't comp. I mean, there was comps, but... You know, Aaron Sprinkle didn't know about comps yet. I didn't know about comps yet. <laughs> Aaron Sprinkle was the producer. producer. Uh, you know, and obviously, you know, I'm sure Aaron, as a producer, has records that he's like, oh, my gosh, I can't believe I let that go. And I hope, I would assume that Poking at You was one of those. Um, there's just some embarrassing, embarrassing moments on there.
0: Though that record, it's weird because sometimes the, the record that the musician is most embarrassed by or wishes they could change is also the biggest fan favorite.
1: I don't think in this case this is the biggest fan favorite, but some some it's, fans. It's considered it's a, one some, of, the, a few like, of the, yeah, yeah. Like if
0: they were to put, like, their top. Oh, I like magnified plaid. <laughs> it's like, oh, God, okay. <laughs> so finally, so I, I do this every so often, and, and it's basically to put the final record so nobody ever asks you the question ever again. And I think you've actually hit that point where nobody is asking this question ever again, but just for the sake of online um, uh, posterity. uh when like where did the name come from i mean it kind of like we know when but where <laughs> yeah
1: well somebody just asked me this the other day actually and uh okay, well,
0: hopefully they'll never ask again after this <laughs>
1: <laughs> we just gotta like give them this podcast exactly Here go. that's it um all right so real quick i'll just i'll give you the quick story magnified plaid was our original name you know and when i say original it was the
0: and you have merch with that. It
1: was the third or four. It was our first name where we actually like had merch. Yes. What and was the
0: name that it would have been that that was on the top? Like you know, every band. A thing. few
1: different ideas. There yeah. was Shady Haze, which was our first show ever. I I, I want to say we started out promoting us Shady Haze.
0: Not the one in your mom's backyard.
1: No, yeah, the one in our mom's. That was mom's. the
0: one with Shady Haze.
1: I I I don't remember. <laughs> I actually don't <laughs> you remember get your mom on the phone I think. I don't remember if we went as far as to call ourselves Shady Haze for that show or if we had changed it just in time for the first show. But if we if it was Shady Haze for that show, then we had a show the next weekend and it was magnified plaid by then. But the world will never know because if I don't know, I mean, Yuri might know. We right. should ask Yuri. He remembers. He's got a those good memory. details. Right. Yeah, yeah, he for he... sure. I don't know how I'm the singer, and I have to like remember all these lyrics. It's ridiculous. <laughs> I'm so bad.
0: Uh, I, can't
1: re- I can't remember what we just talked about. For H A Z <laughs> E.
0: <laughs> yes, so, yes. So then, so that that week period between Shady Haze and Magnified Plaid. Where did Magnify Plaid come from?
1: Uh magnified plaid came from Andy Husted's shirt. And we should get that in the, uh, the the magnified plaid Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, which I just came from, by the way. Um, the the real Hall of Fame here in Cleveland. Um, but yeah, he had this shirt. It was a T-shirt, but it, it had these uh, red and blue and white lines and it was on a black shirt. But there were lines that were very big. So if you took, um, say, your flannel and magnified it, that's what it looked like. Like maybe little amoebas were floating around in between the lines.
0: And then the transition from magnified plaid to MXPX.
1: Yeah. So that was basically we were handwriting our flyers and handwriting our our our, our tape covers. And I was like, we need to abbreviate this. And so Yuri did MXPX with little Xs. And people just started calling us MXPX. So they would see the shirt or see the the cassette tape and they would call it MXPX.
0: What what was there ever that conversation from somebody in the music industry once you guys started to get noticed a little bit that said, you know that name?
1: There actually never was. Really? Yeah, no. Wow. Nobody ever Yeah.
0: So right off the bat, tooth and nail, was this like, love the name?
1: I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if they said they loved the name or not, but you know, it worked.
0: It worked. It was easy to remember. So you guys How did how did the label, because the label was obviously a Seattle label, still are, um, but how did they, wasn't the story that like one of their, I don't know if Brandon, the label owner, was at one of your shows or it was somebody else there, like one of the A&R guys that went to a show and you guys were playing and that's how?
1: There was a band called Portal Old Lou that came over to Port Orchard and we opened for them okay. and they were from Seattle and Aaron Sprinkle is a guitar player. So we gave him our cassette tape with, uh, you know, horrible you know, whispering <laughs> vocals. <laughs> and uh, we, uh, we were like, hey, man, we want to do some shows, you know, more shows in Seattle or whatever. We Actually, at that point, we hadn't played Seattle. So he got us a show in Seattle at a party in the U District. So it's these college kids. We were in high school. And we were, it was actually our, it was our first year of at being a band, I'm pretty sure. And so it was 10th grade. Um, we played this party. It was packed full of people. This band Blenderhead played a band called Don't Know, um, both of which had records out on Tooth & Nail. Not at the time. I think Blenderhead was going to be putting out an album on Tooth & Nail. So anyway, we do this. We kind of, it's this new band that nobody knew about, and now they saw us play, and so everybody was talking about it in that whole, you know, that group, that scene. And Aaron Sprinkle then told... Brandon, he knew Brandon, hey, I found this band, I really want to record a 7-inch, if you're interested, they're punk rock, you know, that kind of thing, and uh, he's like, cool, yeah, let's, you know, let me hear it, and so when he, we went over to Seattle and recorded four songs, and when he heard, when Brandon heard those songs, he's like, I just want to do a full album, and we're like, okay.
0: Which of the four songs on those on that, like, are any of them still known um, today?
1: A few, of, yeah, some of them were on on Poking At You. We re recorded them, but uh too much thinking and uh I don't know. I I'm pretty sure we actually released those recordings on the new version of Let It Happen now that I think about it. Okay. There's some like Aaron Sprinkle demos. Okay. That's those songs.
0: So uh so you so you went over there and you and you recorded it, and your guys are in tenth grade at this point, and now you're you're doing something for a label and how did like did did that start to do anything to you guys in the high school as far as like you know, like a wow, like here's like No, not really. Like Well, we didn't, you know bands we, recording in a studio. One thing that people, they're my English people won't
1: get at all is people these days, you know, young kids, is back then I felt weird about promo I mean, when we had a show I promoted it, you know, we'd pass out flyers and and uh put up Posters in windows, but we didn't really tell people like about our band and what we were doing on a daily basis, or even that we had an album out. Like I, when when our album came out, our senior year of high school, poking at you, we had a C, you know a, a cassette tape and a CD, and I didn't even tell anybody. Like I, I, I to, a few wow. people found out, and so I'd be like, yeah, yeah, we have an album. You know, I wasn't like super super proud of it, you know, and. Uh, we just didn't and, really. And actually, you are still are. Self, you and I still am not. <laughs> so I think I was. I had some good instincts there, but uh, we just didn't self promote, you know. And, and obviously, these days, that's all people do is self promote. And uh, I know I do it as well, but uh, it's just I get so sick of the sell. Like I just don't want to sell people on like coming to my show or buying my album. But at the same time, if you don't tell people that it exists, how can you expect them to to know about it? But you know, there's that there's that thing where. Do
0: you ever get days you shut down? You just can't do it.
1: Yeah, absolutely. More than more often than not, like I, <laughs> I mean, I, I enjoy my day. I say I I just ignore email and I ignore text messages <laughs> and, um, not to everybody, just you know, but business wise, you know. But at the same time, like I've gotten better at when I know something needs to be done, I just do it. And I'll just make a decision right away make it happen. Um, And if it's something that's not as important, I I just can't care. I mean, it's not that I don't care about said person or this or that. It's just that it's one of so many things that I can't care because I physically can't and mentally can't keep up with that amount of work. And it's not... On my priority list to do so. My priority list is to live a good life, period. And that, if that it means that, oh, to live a good life, I'm gonna go and, you know, answer this email, then I'm gonna go ahead and answer that email. But uh, I always try to prioritize that. Did know? that
0: change for you at some point? Did you like prior to Abs- that? like Absolutely. When was that?
1: I've always been a get my homework done before class is over kind of guy. And I still do that. From time to time, you know, but it's always because I want to be able to do this or I want to have free time to do this, so uh it's not because oh I see value in this or that, even though like I do see value in learning and and i I learned a lot from high school, and I feel like I retained a lot um, although you know you can't ever tell what what was complete crap and and wasn't, you know, so you know the more you learn, the more you realize what you've learned probably isn't true. <laughs> so, you know, you kind of have to re-educate yourself on a lot of issues, especially when it comes to to anything the government's been involved with, history, education, uh, you know, wars and politics and you know, it's all propaganda. It, you know, mm-hmm. even health issues and what's good for you and what's not. You see, you know, the the more you see uh you see a a news story on the news like, oh, it turns out that sodium is good for you. And it's like, one day it's this, one day it's that, you know, you you know, you just have to like, at some point do your own research and like find credible sources that don't have like corporate interests. And, um, and I'm not like completely crazy when it comes to like trying to like boycott certain things. I don't do that. Um, But I do like, I guess pay attention more to, to what's being told to me and, and what, you know, what's the mouthpiece behind it? You know, why is it that they're telling me this? So,
0: so, so when it's so like you were saying about like shutting down and stuff like that, but you know what you got to do. Um, but you've got probably a lot of friends that are like, you know, yours and Tom near age that don't want to do it. They don't want to do the promotion, the self-promotion stuff. And they're still in bands. So, and what would be your advice to those guys? that don't want to do it, but you know that you have to do it. Cause I've always kind of felt like out of all the musicians that are kind of like in, in that generation, you're one of the one of the few that I think is actually like who's who's tried to adapt and stay current and stay, you know, adaptable with modern technology and using technology to your advantage and so yeah. forth. And and embracing it as best you can instead of shunning it and, and complaining about it. So what would you say to those people that are complaining and shunning it? But they still want to be a musician.
1: Well, I mean, obviously, do what you want to do. I don't care, um, honestly. <laughs> and if you don't care about, I mean, it's all about priorities. You know, it's like I care about my career, but I'm not. I think the difference is, is I'm not doing the the. I'm not learning new technology and new ways to promote because I, I'm not doing that. Like as I guess, just just for like money or to to promote myself, I'm I'm kind of like interested in it. So, so I mean, I think that's what sets certain people apart, you know. Um, I, I honestly, like, if you don't feel like, it just depends on your position, too, because people are stuck in jobs that they hate, but they still have to do them because they, they owe money, and, you know, they're just stuck in this sort of rat race kind of thing, and so it's not easy just to, like, tell people, do what you want to do, you know, because not everybody's in that position. So I understand that, but, you know, these musicians that, that are not into technology Obviously, I mean, if it's working for you, then whatever. But it just depends on how people – I see, you know, our fans, MX Peaks fans, some of them are very, very tech- technology savvy, and um, some of them kind of not at all. So it's kind of hard to tell. Like, obviously, with the younger generation, almost everybody knows what's going on. Like um i i feel embarrassed at at sometimes cuz i don't know about certain things that the younger generations talking about or you know just ways to like find you know something as simple as okay we need a hotel okay well how do you do it what's your workflow so like workflow is something that like why do i even know that word you know <laughs> but i mean you know there's that's the that's the thing is is finding new ways to like ha- have your life be easier, you know. That's what technology is for. And so, um if it's not easy for you to to use technology, then that's not that's kind of technology is defeating the purpose.
2: Mm.
1: I don't know if that makes sense. I don't know if I said it right, but you know, for some people, it's just so much trouble, and they just don't want to deal with it. So,
0: you've been really into uh, videography and film mm-hmm. and editing a lot, and that's been pretty much, I think, since I've really gotten to know you, and that's like when did you first start getting into into because now you actually i wanted to mention this you 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 have this series you got two episodes out called best life Mm -hmm. and you and it's on your it's a video channel for it that you've created um and uh and it's basically you know um let me read this here. This is a description. This is about all about having the best life that I can, even when I'm having the worst day. These are the stories, places, and characters that contribute to my personal life experience, big and small. Sharing ideas, interactions, finding the exception to any rule, enjoying the now, and examining examining the could be futures through video, music, and the ever changing, increasing innovation of technology. Welcome to my best life, uh, culture, travel, food, music, and discovery. No rules. And and it's I mean like the last, the most recent one is you guys being stuck. In your yeah. little mini bus in the middle of Italy, and you can't get out of it. So, or I think it was, was it Italy? Or yeah, was it, it was Italy. It was yeah, Italy. Yeah. yeah. So, like, why did? How did you start getting into that? And
1: uh, well, yeah, I mean, just being in the band, you know, it's forced me to. Um, I was always sort of the guy that would do all the extra promotional stuff anyway. So even before Twitter and Facebook, and even before MySpace, um, I wasn't in on the Friendster thing, or I'm not quite sure what the other ones were back then but um but i was always into filming so i would take pictures i would film and back then it was like you know the the cameras with the actual tape that goes in it mm-hmm. and <laughs> remember that kids those <laughs> camcorders before it was on your phone uh so I, we always had one of those or a couple of those and, and i was always getting the next better one and i would i would invest serious money in all this stuff and i would have to go to japan to get my lenses cuz they were you know a little cheaper there and the selection was wider and um so, I mean, I just always loved doing it, you know, this sort of – but I never – I would always film stuff. I have so much on film, and I just never had time to, like, always edit it. But um, that's why there's only two episodes of Best Life so far. <laughs> I've got so much footage, and I just need to, like, So, in put other it words, together.
0: you need to hire an editor.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, yeah, so far, Best Life is just me. And I didn't want to have um, – I wanted to have something where I could just – put up a video of absolutely anything involving anything in my life. So it didn't have to be MXPX. It didn't have to be Down. It could just be me driving somewhere, doing something with somebody that I know. So, I mean, it's kind of like all things. But, but the best way to describe it is, obviously, the most interesting parts are usually when I'm out on tour, when I'm traveling. Uh, overseas stuff is obviously interesting because it's stuff we don't see every day. We get that sort of like... We get that, uh, I don't know, that monotonous feeling of, okay, I've seen this over and over and I've seen a million things and I'm kind of just, nothing is interesting anymore. So, you know, with Best Life, my whole idea is just to find interest in some of the most uh, basic things that we, that I have to do almost every day. But since I'm not really a good storyteller, I think uh, audibly, you know, orator, Orally, what do you? What do you? Orally, orator.
0: that's good. I like oratory.
1: You don't like oral. Uh, <laughs> orally, I'm a. I'm not so good. <laughs> oh God. um So anyway, I just always felt like I was. It was easier to like tell people what I was doing with the video. So yeah, I'm gonna do some more of those soon. And and since then, I've been. Obviously, all over Europe and all over... Uh, we were in uh, just Asia. We were in Japan and Indonesia and, and Thailand for the first time. In Thailand, it was amazing. And then, of course, in in the US, we haven't toured in a while. So new new times, new places, new people.
0: Yeah. So we, we take a couple of song breaks. We're going to take one right now. So I'm going to ask you... Uh, we're going to pick two songs by any artist. Okay? Okay. Here we go. So what was... I think this is pretty given. Um, what was your anthem growing up?
1: My anthem. What was your given? I mean, are you talking I, about one song? One song. Oh, geez. I was
0: just going to go with Summer of 69 just because it seems to have been like this keeps. Well, it's a song that kind of stays with your whole career. It,
1: I guess. Yeah, it does. I mean, I. I you know, it's funny about that song is like it makes me think of certain times in my life. Um but obviously, it's got you know over the years, it's its meaning can sort of change. You know, it's such a simple song though, and and I, I kind of feel like those are the types of songs I was writing. Like whether it was moved to Bremerton, um, where yeah, not everybody's necessarily moving to Bremerton, the town, but they can they get the long distance relationship thing and uh, meeting people in other places and sort of having you know we've all. Most of us have had some sort of, like, experience, whether it's, like, a summer break vacation thing where you meet somebody, you have an amazing connection, and then you just never see him again. You'll just never see him again. And then you, every now and then something will make you think about that time, that summer, that week, that city, whatever it is. And it's like, oh, yeah, that person, that's so, that's so crazy. <laughs> that was cool. Uh, you know, and then it's just who knows how real that really was, you know, but in your mind it's it, – it, it was real. So I guess it was real.
0: So, um, and then, uh, okay, so what was the song then?
1: Oh, uh, let's see. Um,
0: <laughs> I was listening and there was like...
1: I've had some... Are you talking about like just favorite songs of mine?
0: Yeah. Does like, What was your anthem?
1: That's a good question. I mean, I what never... What was the one even...
0: you played all the time?
1: Oh, well, like on the stereo, right? Yeah. Um, definitely... trying to think way back my the first song I ever i ever sang to okay. the, on the radio and i've told this to you i think before but was on the road again willie nelson so that that's always been sort of a huge influence on me okay uh the words and then uh but then as far as like once i got into punk rock um i was so into into the song clean sheets and the song um, Jealous Again by Blackfly. So Clean Sheets by The Descendants. That was just like the, it was, I don't know, I guess what I was into, you know, as far as like, you can call it pop punk or you can just call it melodic punk or whatever it was, rock and roll. Uh, it was just good, you know, and, and that's sort of like, it was that raw yet super catchy, real type song, you know, with lyrics that are, that have double meaning. You know, it's always that double meaning country thing, you know, like, Telling stories, um and "Jealous Again" by Black Flag was always a song that just made me like want to bounce off the walls. And I used to put on, I put on like which seven inch? I had a, I had a Black Flag seven inch. And it started out with "I've had it," and it was like, duh, nah, duh, duh. and I would just put that on my record player, and it sounded so tinny and so crappy and. So perfect, you know, like, like because I didn't have any like big speakers, but like that was like that was what punk rock kind of sounded like, and that always just, you know, it's a wonder that we sound like we sound, and, and people know us for like songs like Chick Magnet and songs like uh, Move to Bremerton and and um, you know kind of lighter stuff, but I mean I've always been so into like really hard hitting music but I just love melody. So I like both of those things together. Um, yeah, so I mean, I, I feel like that's kind of like why we put out that new, with the new album, we put out all our, there there really isn't any super, super like pop songs on the record, but even the songs that we chose as singles were like almost opposite of pop, like just, uh, just fast skate punk kind of songs, like aggressive. Because that's really kind of what we are. I I wanted, like, I didn't want to do any bait and switch, trick the audience into, like, some fun little catchy number. Um, And since we have our own record label now, I get to make the decision. So there it is.
0: Um, two things One is I'm so used to, it, to Doing this with, with artists that have been together Maybe less than 10 years So these kind of mm-hmm. go. For, but then This is like Now I'm with one with 20 So now I have to kind of Capsulize a lot of things And, and I kind of get I like to find out details So it's like, yeah. I gotta speed things up A little bit here um, And it's moved to Bremerton Not It came from Bremerton But there is something That was called It came from Bremerton It
1: came to Bremerton As the DVD there we the are. Movie, yeah. So I'm not
0: completely. No, yeah, I have both of them. Of course, I've got everything, and I'm <laughs> screwing this all up. So it was on VHS. Before you guys send me the twitters and tweets and the emails, I, I know, I know, I know. So you got you you graduated in '93, class of '93.
1: Uh '95.
0: '95. Okay. Don't be dating me, <laughs> especially on your birthday. That would be wrong. Okay, so um, so class of '95. So just so that I can kind of put. Uh, a period on this So then How did Tom Get in there
1: Alright So uh, We We put out Our first album Poking at ya. It came out It It came out Like Before
0: Well this yeah, says like October 4th 1994 Yeah
1: October It was in the fall okay. 1994 So So we still had Like that full school year To go And increasingly We were supposed to go on tour the, the, That summer before It never happened I ended up losing my job At Sparrow's The pizza place um is it still there it's still there yeah i still go and eat there quite a bit do they have um, your picture up on the wall no no really they that. didn't do that yet nah. wow it's a classy joint no it's not really that class but do,
0: do people know who you are when you walk around bremen do they sit there and go oh that's the guy that's uh, in the
1: rock they park. don't point but people know some people oh I so mean, they
0: whisper in soft breath and
1: i just met somebody the other day that that uh was at a show and he said it she said she used to live in Bremerton and she saw me at the poor house which is a bar next to MTS Monkey Trent Studios and uh didn't say anything cuz she didn't want to bother me but like you know was said she saw us you know me me and my friends there a few times so that's cool so yeah it's cool that you know it's just like okay you're always being watched what am i doing now am i picking my nose no <laughs> so i always kind of feel like maybe i'm being watched in Bremerton but I, I don't really feel like I'm not super paranoid about it or anything.
0: You know, that that's like I was just talking to somebody the other day that's a singer, and they were saying like it's really easy when you start to get successful as a singer because then you all of a sudden you feel the pressure to be on all the time. Like you're on stage, you're on, and then you come off stage, and now all these people want to get to know you. Who are yeah. you? And so he has to be on, and he has to stay on, and he found that he was starting to lose himself.
1: Yeah, it's weird. Did you go well, through that? I I mean, I, yeah, probably. I mean. um I think the main thing is, like, I always feel, one, you got to understand there's, like, this psychology going on between – it's not a normal conversation. It's not your everyday just peer-to-peer conversation. It's somebody that's kind of just taking everything in, um, probably a little nervous, and you have to, like, give them an experience that's going to be positive, obviously, because, you know, people always said, oh, my career is a dick. You know, he's an asshole. And I was always – I mean – I was always wondering why that is, like, because I'm always nice to people, I thought. Um, but it's just my personality is a little, like I was saying earlier, standoffish. Um, I'm not always just, I'm, a lot of times I'm just thinking about something and I'm not really like paying attention to what I look like. And so, you know, I think I've learned over the years, okay, you know, be yourself, but you know, don't be yourself too much because people (laughs) won't like that. Not because you're an actual dick, but because you can't, you know, you can't expect to just be, you know, like, oh man, I just feel tired today, you know, not really feeling like playing. You know, like whenever I don't feel like playing, usually it goes away as soon as we walk on stage, you know, I love, I love playing. I love doing that. Um, And I wouldn't do it if if I didn't. But um, going back to, Sort of that interaction between between I guess you could say to to make it easy fans um I always just feel like I feel as awkward as they do, and it's not because I don't respect them or I feel like I'm better than them it's just it's just because like I don't know what to say, even yeah, I just like I've never been good with strangers as it is, like small talk kind of stuff, and that's my own fault like it's it's not something that should be an excuse, I think I think, um. Over the years, I've definitely gotten way better at it, but when it comes to um, just that fan interaction, I just don't know what because it's like they're constantly complimenting you, and all you can really say is "Thank you so much," I, you know, "Thanks for coming out," I appreciate that, that's awesome, you know. You be positive, and but what else are you going to say to you guys? are amazing, or I love you, or you know, you just have to accept it, but it, it always. It always feels a little strange.
0: Was there ever that fan that just you never forgot about? The one that was like, maybe it was just the, the right moment or the, the the special moment or that, or that story or whatever that, that just kind of said something to you that just kind of gave like, I don't know, that just left a real big impact that like you've just never forgotten. That maybe it kind of keeps you in check or maybe it's something like, you know, this is why I do this.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, there's there's always reminders, um, and I think we all need reminders of of what's important in our lives, and and I don't know that there's one person because there's just so many people in the world, and I'm and I'm constantly meeting people, but there's so many that I do remember. Um, I remember their faces, I remember their names. Um, I've I've gotten you know to be friends with a lot of these people, a lot of the fans that have come out over the years. Now are I consider to be just friends. Um, my buddy, Jason Kaiser from, from Bismarck, North Dakota, he was a longtime fan. He would drive five hours, eight hours to see us. And when the right, you know, you see somebody enough and if they have the right personality and it's the right circumstances, then you just become friends. And, and um, he came out and, you know, he came out and did merch for us on the, the beginning of this tour and just hung with us. And, That's awesome. you know, just it was, it was his vacation from his life. You know, for us, this is our life, you know, but he fit in well and and you know, there's lots of guys like that that have that have done that over the years and um and girls too, you know, we've met a lot of great people along the way, so fans um are just friends that you just don't know that well yet, and then they become friends when you get to know them better, so that's sometimes that first interaction is is awkward, but it's only because the circumstances are awkward. I mean, anytime you've got this, this sort of like band guy and, or whatever it is, person in, in sort of like the spotlight and then person that's paying to see that person do, do a service have or ever, perform.
0: Have you ever thought about the psych, I mean, because you are, you're kind of a psychological guy. So have you ever kind of thought about what it is about a artist that causes like this bug lamp effect of people around them to kind of like gravitate towards them?
1: Well I've always felt that that um whatever those people have I never felt like I had that like I've always just felt like I'm just normal guy that writes some songs and and people really just they 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 gravitate but like not quite with the there's some sort of force field between me and and people um I don't have a ton of close friends and I I I do have, you know, the guys that I hang with are really good friends of mine. They're my best friends. And and I've got a lot of good acquaintance friends around the world. But I felt like I've I haven't uh I don't know, I feel like I've I've there's something about me that that makes people not not want to ask questions unless they don't know me at all, then they'll ask the most personal questions. <laughs> it's like the opposite of what I want. Like I would rather have you know, somebody that I'm good friends with asking me personal questions, or me to them, then sometimes people just come out with like super personal, crazy questions, and they they want like all your time, and you know that that to me is kind of a bummer. But <laughs> yeah, and and I'm I'm kind of a person. Uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm private in some ways. You know, I definitely keep some of what I think very private. Um, not, I don't know why that is, um, but even even to my best friends, sometimes I won't even tell them, like, ah, we got a car. You know, we got a new car. Yeah, you know, had to do it. Like, our engine died, you know, that kind of thing. I wouldn't even tell them that. We just, Holly and I would just go and get it, and then they would see that we have a new car. Like, I just feel weird about telling people about anything in my life. Um, so it's, when it's, like, trivial things, like, something like that or whatever. I don't feel like I should waste people's time. So I think it's partly my fault because I don't tell people about things. And I'm trying to, like, do better at that too. Like, trying to, like, text my friend now and then about, hey, Greg, you know, things are going well on the tour. Because when we go out on tour, a lot of times I won't talk to any of my friends, like, at all at home. Um, So it's, it's not because I don't love them, but... It's just they're doing their thing, I'm doing my thing, and then everything's fine when I get home. So,
0: Well, you actually said that. You said that... Um, uh, let me see here. I da, 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 Where, where this, like, um, well, you basically said that the thing... In, in one of these videos that you made, you said that um, when you get out here, you have to realize there's a job to do. Mm, and it yeah. seems like a, that's like a big trick for a lot of musicians when they're first starting to tour. Those, those first few tours, especially if they're right out of high school... You know, where they're like it's the party first. Yeah. Yeah. And they don't think of it as professional yet. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Holy crap, I'm in New York City. Holy crap. You know? (laughs) It's just like, let's do everything. Like, you know, you got a show and you have to load in and you gotta like you guys gotta go to Guitar Center.
1: Yeah, I've kinda gone back to that. (laughs) (laughs) Honestly, like it's just I mean, and I'm touring with a lot of guys that are that are newer at touring and uh you know my my guys in tumble down we've t- done a lot of touring so they kind of they know the drill but the first couple tours with them you know it was like <laughs> i was dad i was telling them this that that and i've kind of just gotten to they know enough and to where i don't have to worry about it we just i just tell them once this is what time we got to get up and it happens um and now i can go back to just doing what i do rather than controlling everything and um but it it's it's a weird thing because, you know, you got girlfriends like um, we're touring with, you know, band, a band, FLF, that it's their first real out-of-state tour. And it's amazing to be with them because they're just, they are like that, like, whoa, we're here, we're here. And, you know, honestly, I'm right there with them. Like, I've been to Cleveland tons, but I've never gone to the, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. So I get to do something for the first time after over 20 years doing this, you know, in Cleveland. So I'm still finding on your
0: birthday
1: on my birthday, I'm still finding new things in life and and that's the that's the thing is like yeah, there's nothing new under the sun, but if if it's new for you, it's new for you so you know and it's it, you know and and it's interesting for people to see things um from a different perspective i think, and when you know somebody's stuck in some town and they feel like they you know they have access to the internet, you know that whole like there was like a, an, a Simpsons episode, like way a long time ago, where met, uh, Lisa Simpson was like, "I get to go to wherever," and she would crack a book open and be there. I don't know, even know if, if that's the right reference, but it's kind of like that with the internet. You know, you can follow your favorite people, but not only follow what it is they're doing, but how they're doing it and how they get there, the journey and the the you know the voyage, everything that goes into what they do.
0: So basically, when you were growing up. And you used to imagine what those musicians or those first cassettes that you got were like in real mm-hmm. person. And then you were just kind of talking about where, you know, there are probably fans that have been doing that to you that, like, maybe they knew they yeah. were going to get backstage tonight. And they're like, I wonder what he's like. I kind of know what he's like. I have a feeling I know what he's like. But Instagram and Twitter and that breaks that whole wall down. So now they're kind of like, all right, so it's I a know little... he's into this, that, and this. Yeah. And he just got his hair cut. And he, and he said he, he was in a great mood today on Twitter. So, but you
1: feel like, but, but people when they really follow somebody, um, maybe more than the average, you know, just follow whatever, read, oh, that's funny, ha you know. Uh, but, you know, they feel like they know you and they do, they do know you better, you know.
0: And, Does that freak it, you out? No, I don't, I, you know, that part of it doesn't really freak me out. Um, so has it made the relation, has it made that relationship between the artist and the fan better, you think, because of all this wall breaking down?
1: I think in some ways, definitely. I mean, um, there's 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 different types of people, you know, and so they're going to react differently to what it is they like. Some people are obviously going to cry when they see Michael Jackson. Other people will be like, yeah, that guy's kind of weird. So, I mean, you know, we have that same reaction, you know, across the board by people. Some people are super into it. Some people just want to see the music and don't really care about getting a photo with you. So, um, you know, it's allowed It's allowed. everybody across the board, obviously, more access. But, you know, you don't have to take that access if you don't want to. So some people choose not to. Or just don't care enough to choose to, I guess. I don't know.
0: So, okay, why don't we finish up the Tom story? Before we, yeah. We, we didn't finish it up. So. Which story? Tom. Tom. Getting into the band. Yes. Oh, I forgot about Tom.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Tom. Oh, Tom. I... Uh, we're like brothers. Tom was an only child. I never had a brother. So we, uh, we've we always had an interesting relationship where everything, you know, no matter how good of a song I think I've written, he always brings it back down to reality. Like, okay, not that good, but okay, well, let's do it. <laughs> uh, or, you know, he'll be the first to say, that one's not my favorite. I'd rather not do that on the record. And I'll have to like debate why I want this song on the album and, and this and that. But how Tom got into the the band goes back to our first summer we were going to tour. It didn't end up happening. Um, but The main thing was we talked to Andy and we're like, hey, we want to tour. And he says, I can't tour. Um, my parents won't let me. He was one year younger than us. And so we're like, just ask him. The least that could happen is they could say no. And he's like, no, I won't even ask him. So like, even though we had an album out, he wasn't really... A believer as far as like i didn't really think we're going to do much with this and i don't want to waste my time doing it so once that sort of attitude he would miss practices and show up late for practices um we kind of just started looking for another guitar player and and at first it was going to be to fill in when he didn't go on tour he's like all right so things go in cycles but uh so we had to replace him uh so tom actually started practicing the songs, and he was just learning guitar as well. He had been a drummer before. And we we ended up doing a talent show with Tom, doing like one or two songs just with Tom, um, new ones, at our high school, because Andy went to a different high school. So he was sort oh. of separated, and, and Tom went to our high school, and so we were all hanging out together. And um, Andy and I were still friends, but he just wasn't into the band, so... I kind of realized I had forced him into the whole thing anyway, but um, I, we ended up calling him and telling him, you know, we we want this sh- next show to be your last show. We're going to have Tom join the band. Or, you know, we tried actually, we tried the, the whole... Before we you could to,
0: just email it.
1: <laughs> right. Well, we tried the whole thing. Like we tried to say, you know, we want to have Tom fill in for you on tour. And he was like, I'm not having that. So then we're like, well, then we have to replace you, you know. So we kicked him out of the band, and he was pissed. Which you know, it's like, how do you do that in an easy way? How do you not become the family? Yeah, exactly. So that kind of like really messed up that whole situation, and and we, you know, since years and years later, I've become good friends with Andy again. Of course, Um, not of course, but I have, and he's. uh, But I don't think his family's ever really forgiven me. (laughs) for that, you know, me and Yuri. Even though Yuri was the one that told him, I got the blame. <laughs> he knew it was it was probably my fault, but it was it was to be honest, it was it was Yuri as well. Yuri had Yuri always takes, you know, his part in everything, but he never gets blamed for it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but um so we ended up uh we ended up getting Tom in the band um for before life before teenage politics was recorded okay. so it was it was um i guess it was probably sometime right around the new year of it was in the winter time he did his first show in portland with us and then uh and yeah recorded teenage politics with us
0: there's i remember us talking via email about this one time and i was trying to figure out what the first show out of town was like the first touring date you went and there is a date that's flying out there it's friday june 16th 1995 I thought it was a little later for I thought that was too late for it to be like a first like out of town touring. And it's and it's in San Juan Capistrano. Yep. And it's at the uh, Coast Hills Community Church. That was a flight. Wait, what is that? June? June 16th. And then the following date was in uh Las Vegas. Uh it was at Viva Las Vegas was the name of the club in Orange County. Orange, California. Oh, okay. So you played with Blenderhead.
1: Blenderhead in the 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 um it was uh Crucified. I don't know if you remember that band, The Crucified. They were like an old, you know, punk band, um, Christian punk band, you know, back in the day, kind of like real fast thrash metal, kind of like mm. punk, like DRI kind of stuff. Anyway, yeah, that was actually that was not our first time in California, but it was our first real actual tour stop. We had been to we had been to
0: because this would be right after been, you graduated. That yep, was the whole story. It was two days later. Yeah. Yeah. So you graduated on Wednesday the 5th, 14th? Sure, I guess okay. so. Just for those that need to know. Uh, <laughs> There's somebody out there with a blog.
1: I think that, I guess that's right. Honestly, I haven't looked up the date, but I'm sure that's easy to figure out. Okay. Yeah. Just
0: just curious there. Does so, so, it
1: sound right or does it sound fishy?
0: No, it sounds right. I mean, you know, it's it the timing of it seems to match yeah. with the graduation. And then, because that's the whole story is you guys, yeah. you were out. Yeah, we, you- went,
1: we went to California. We drove straight to California and, and shot Punk Rock Show, the video.
0: Right, right.
1: Did a show. Um, and then the crowd footage is from that second show in Orange County. Um, at the, It was like a big warehouse type club. And uh, yeah, we shot, shot part of the, the crowd footage of Punk Rock Show there. And we did Wanted. Actually, we did Wanted before that. No, we did Wantad. The day after our graduation in Seattle, where we filmed Wantad And then we drove to California. And filmed immediately a punk rock show, so it was like, yeah, right away we were just busy doing stuff.
0: So, um, so you you did the two records for Tooth and Nail, and then was slowly going the way. Then went over to the over to. That's when like it was a kind of a, a duo. I don't know if it was like an upstream did, deal between did, Tooth and Nail and Adam.
1: Yeah, we did three albums with Tooth and Nail, and then the, the they had re-signed us before Life in General. They'd re-signed us because right they didn't want. To. <laughs> They want that record contract to run out, so That's they right. gave us two two hundred dollars signing bonus, all in two dollar bills. We thought that was pretty pretty cool. Two hundred dollars, really cash? We get to keep this? Oh, geez. And this was we were like, so stupid. But hey, whatever. Um, <laughs>
0: Do you? I mean, you like, guys have always kind of felt that way—that like you guys were like like. You, I've always kind of like you guys have always kind of felt like we made every single. I think you even said it at one point. You said we have made every single mistake <laughs> yes. that any band could ever make. Probably, period. yeah, absolutely. And so, why was that? Like, why didn't like
1: because we had people around us that didn't have our interest in. I mean, we the people that had our best interest in mind didn't have enough knowledge about music or any sort of business. One. Mm. The rest of the people that did have the knowledge had too much knowledge and used it to their own advantage. So we just got screwed on all accounts. Some of it was on purpose. Some of it was just lack of knowledge and lack of know-how. Innocent, basically, stuff. And, uh, you know, things were different back then. I mean, we were just obviously kids, but we were from a small town. And we were kind of just working on the assumption that it could all end at any second. So take what you can get.
0: Which is still the way musicians today... Yeah, right? they, it's still like that. If yeah. anything, I think they probably feel the pressure even more because with the internet, you can see how fast it can end. With, yeah. with back then, you really couldn't see it. You were kind of... It was more like this ambiguous yeah, thing. You just didn't... you know, like, well, the future, and it's like, who knows where it is. But on the internet, you can just look on any record show. You can see everything right there, and you're like, I'm going to be wiped out. It's yeah. coming. It's... You know, the tidal wave's coming. Right. Um. So during those during those years... Um with the the major label, what did you come out of that experience with? Like what's your
1: um I came out with that experience with the idea that never trust anyone because <laughs> 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 they will they will just crush you and uh business wise, you know. And I, you would think that I'm a ruthless business person because of that, but honestly, like I'm very fair and very lax with my business. Cause
0: you're very punk rock with your, yeah,
1: I just, I just don't, I don't want money to be a problem or an issue. And, and I see when I do, when I am low on money, it's like, it, it like stresses you out, you know? Um, so I guess the less I care about money, then the less stressed I be, I am, um, and so I just kind of like, even though like I've had to to, to do things a little differently business wise, obviously correct mistakes. I choose not to be like a ruthless business person because like that's not what my goal is. That's not a, that's not on my priority list. Is money is something that like is. Allows you to do what things you want to do. It's not the end goal, like it is for some people. Some people just have like that sort of like I must make money. I must must work constantly because to them, get money every buys
0: power of... and access. Yeah, yeah. Right. yeah.
1: So I mean, to me, I would rather just enjoy life and work when I got to work. And I kind of have that sort of like slacker mentality in a way when it comes to business. But I still feel like I do the things I need to do to make it happen so uh you know there's a nice balance there but
0: so but the, so what were the good things that came out of that Out of the good May- things
1: obviously i mean obviously just a lot of the the opportunities that we got um being able to play with so many bands get on so many tours uh, meet so many people um you know for me it's all about collecting life experiences and and uh, you know sort of like Cultivating new ideas, cultivating um, good vibes. <laughs> I know I sound crazy right now. Like, I'm not that. I'm not that much of a hippie, honestly. Like, but when I think about what's important to me, I sound like a hippie. You know, when I talk about what's important to me, my family, my you know, uh, spending time at home, you know, with my, my dogs, my wife. You know, that's important to me. Um, but also playing music out here on the road, traveling, seeing new things—that keeps me vital. That keeps me connected to, to that flow of ideas and that flow of culture. That I feel like I I wouldn't have if I just stayed in town, you know. And obviously, it's easier with the internet. You can you can sort of absorb knowledge. And but if, when you're in it, it's so much different. I mean, I know that for a fact. I know that that the things I've seen with my eyes and heard with my ears and experienced all around me is something that I really experienced and not to say experiencing it on the internet is, is not real. It's real. It's just in a different way. Everything shapes, everything changes the shape of something, no matter what you do. So,
0: so what are the, what are the, and without like having to name names um, necessarily, but if you want to, um, but what would be those, few things that were just the worst like those things the mistakes like what were those worst things that could possibly have happened for you guys over the years that yeah. you want to other beginning bands that are like maybe an ap recommends these beginning bands that are just starting on warped for the first time this next year yeah that you want them to know about like this this will this probably could happen to you yeah and we I, went through it
1: i would say like the main thing for us was um aside everybody knows about our trouble with tooth and nail and we've since obviously uh been fine with them uh, but you know we didn't we didn't really have a lawyer read our contract so it doesn't matter if you trust somebody have somebody that's not a party to you know that company read the contract a lawyer obviously I think um just to make sure there's nothing in there you know and and maybe it's not an intentional thing that that the company themselves put in there um there was al- there's always an excuse like oh my lawyer just put that in. And it's like that doesn't matter it is what it is you know it's like the government does this thing all the time you know where they have this bill oh in order to pay you know our soldiers you're going to have to say yes to you know being imprisoned indefinitely as an american citizen for what you know so stuff like that you know record labels do that a lot and uh i think everybody does that in life don't just trust people like honestly like And I'm not trying to say I'm distrusting of everybody. I do trust people, but I still count the money. I mean, it's just a responsible thing to do. Um, And that brings me to management. Also, it's just like the two-pronged attack on bands is management and record labels. I think uh, booking agents are pretty much straight up. I mean, if they do the work and book you the shows, they get the percentage, they take care of stuff. And if you're getting what you need from them, you're usually going to be straight up. Booking agents, I I got nothing horrible to say overall. They're they're all just doing their jobs. Um, But, uh, yeah, back to management. Um, We trusted our manager, you know, and we've had a few different managers over the years, but we had this guy, and uh, he ripped off so much money from us that we had no idea about, no idea. And he was the guy that we, in a million years, would have bet all our money that he wouldn't rip rip us off, you know, but people get crazy. They start doing crazy things in their own lives. And, you know, who knows why people steal from, from kids, but, uh, they do. And, you know, it's just people are out there. So, um, i would choose wisely and never never fully believe anybody ask to see the documentation know where your money's coming in and where it's going out you don't always need like a crew guy for every person in the band you know just remember where you came from and then you know if you're what are you doing aside from tuning your guitar are you using your time wisely some bands are some bands are just sitting around doing nothing and and like i said i live my life as if you know I don't want people telling me what to do, so I'm not going to tell you what to do, you know, with your band and your money, do what you want to do. But uh, I feel like I, even though I enjoyed a lot of my years, I, I kind of wish I would have spent some of the time, you know, doing doing some different things, not just uh, sleeping and, you know, just whatever it is you do, you get on that bus and and party and then sleep and... Don't feel like doing anything because you you get this tour brain where you just don't feel like calling anybody, talking to anybody. It's just it's a weird thing, and um, I try as hard as I can not to let that take over. Although it does happen when you travel and you're just like constantly tired. But
0: we after the after the major label experience and then you went over to side one. Yeah. Then you went back to Tooth and Nail and you and there was there was a makeup and then went independent. So yeah. what are you enjoying? and then not enjoying about being independent versus
1: i'm enjoying getting to make all the decisions but i'm not enjoying having to make all the decisions <laughs> <laughs> but uh you know like it's just it's honestly like some some people are businessmen some musicians are businessmen and they play music i am not one of those like i'm 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 not even quite a musician i don't know what i am i just i'm I guess I'm a musician, but, uh, you know, um, business is not my strong suit. So I try to keep it fairly simple. I get lost easily when it comes to all the emails coming in. And I'm just like, I just can't answer all these. It's just ridiculous. Like, it just drives me nuts. So that's kind of going back to why I just ignore them sometimes. (laughs) But, um, yeah, I mean... Uh, sometimes I think, okay, right now I should have done this, this, and this, but now it's too late. Oh, well, I'll try to do it next time. And that's all you can do, you know, because there's so many things that fall through the crack when you're your own label and we don't have any money to put towards, like, hiring people and paying paying for, like, promotion and stuff like that. So it's literally just all the free promotion, word of mouth, you know, if fans like the record, they, they retweet it, they post it on Facebook, and... uh that's all we can really hope for at, at that in that regard. But um, yeah, I mean, it's 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 changed over the years for sure. You know, back I get so like I was saying, i was so sick of self promotion. I just, I I get tired of talking about myself. I get tired of of telling people about the new record and buy our merch. Um, and I feel weird about doing that on on Twitter. You know, I just want to be interesting or. Put up a cool photo rather than like, "Hey, we're playing here tonight. Come see us, or here's tickets." But um, it's got to be done. It's got to be done for
0: sure. So take advantage of this while, while I've got a band with a 20-year experience here. But you know, you're, you it's like bad religion. Been around, you know, another 10 years on top of that, I believe. Yeah, and uh, no effects and people like that. So how do you how do you keep a record career going that long? I mean, what is the what's the secret? for keeping a fan base for 20 years is it literally is something is like always give them some sort of resemblance of why they liked you in the first place like that sound or anything like even though you guys have grown up yeah married and kids and so forth like is that the key or what is the key to keep consistent records coming out i mean like yeah, every every know. band that's been around that long has put out crap records this is going to happen mm-hmm. So how do you keep a fan base with you for 20 years? On record.
1: On record. Well, um some some bands put out records constantly and that keeps people interested, they keep coming back. But at some point, you know, you're just going to get lost in that, you know, if it's not all super excellent work. I'm not saying ours is, but um you know, people have different opinions. It's weird like some fans like their favorite record is the most hated of most other people, you know, so you know, people like our records for different reasons, but yeah, I think definitely you kind of have to somewhat resemble what you used to be, you know, but over that much time, things are going to change, you know. Um, I don't think we've changed as much as a lot of bands do, but I think we've changed a lot more than some bands, you know, it's just depends on the band, it's different for everybody. Mm-hmm. But I think first and foremost, you have to be honest about your songwriting and, um not forcing it, you know, and I, I, know, I know for a fact I've forced a few of the songs we've done, you know, really? for years, obviously. But for the most part, I really try, and, and I've gotten better at it as my career's gone on, to just be natural with what I would do. Like, what would I do in this situation? You know, whether it's playing bass or uh, singing, uh, playing guitar, you know, adding little guitar parts, that's just me doing whatever, whatever it is I do. Um, I rarely listen to other records when I'm recording or writing. Um, I I can take from my sort of array of influences, but when it comes to actually, most of the time I'm songwriting, I'm not like going, okay, listening to this, now I'm going to go write a song. I'm just like not listening to music at all. Usually listen to a lot of, you know, talk radio or podcasts or whatever, you know, but ideas.
0: So, okay. So then, um... Your sound it's grown up, but it's never changed like all these records it never really it was a, you can tell it's an mXpx song it's yeah, an MXPX yeah, song like yeah. like so you didn't there's no dubstep on the new record and it's, right you no. know you never went into a hip hop <laughs> phase beyond that Christmas single right and, you know it's like so why was like do you think there was ever a negative to that or do you think that's well, what kept your that's what kept you going Twenty. I mean
1: obviously it can be argued that we we did some more I don't know mainstream sounding albums um, okay at yeah. passing moment but every passing moment still pretty like it's new wavy punk I guess but it's still just mxpx you know but uh with before everything and after that was more experimental we had a lot more time um our producer was a little more out there you know Dave and uh Dave Jordan he was great but you know it was it was just like it was all about the experience Experience of making that album, rather than okay, how are people going to really react to this? We weren't thinking that, unfortunately. Uh, so it was a fun album to make, and I and I and I'm proud of it um, on a song by song basis. Like I like most of the songs, but I think it was just too weird for people. Like Kings of Hollywood was, you know, that's MXPX, but it's just it's just a different weird style of of what we do. So. It happens.
0: It's. I mean, it, I think that's the fun part is to kind of, you know, get on Amazon and 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 pull up a discography of some band and then just sample, just even sampling. Yeah.
1: See what, what the different d- like, sounds like. Just are. go from
0: year to year to year, record to record to record, and just see how the band evolved. And you'll start to understand why even some of your favorite bands do it. And mm-hmm. it's just natural. Yeah. It's just natural.
1: It should be natural, and if it is, then then I think people re- respond to that maybe without even thinking. They just know that okay, this is. I like this brand and as long as this brand keeps coming out with something somewhat fresh but still with that logo and you know I'm gonna keep going back so you know it's like anything um, people get used to it they get comfortable and obviously you know mainstream success comes and goes but, you know, there's going to be those hardcore fans that just like your brand of of whatever it is you do. And, and so, you know, so certain people like modern art, certain people like, you know, traditional art or, you know, whatever. So um same thing, you know, it's with music. It's just taste. Mm. So you can't... And that's what's so funny about, like, reviews. It's all sub, so subjective. I mean, everybody hears it differently. So how can you really... You know, you kind of have to find... You have to always consider the source. You have to consider, okay, is this publication somebody I trust One Is this... Okay, who's writing for this publication? Okay, there's that person. Do I know anything about that person? No. Do I know that he always likes hardcore records and always hates ska records? Or, you know, whatever it is, you know. It could be a million different things, you know. So people don't necessarily always think of all these things. And and I don't always think that, but... um, So usually... I just, I just try, honestly, I go with like opinions of people that I know and I know what they like. And if they tell me something's cool, then I'm like, I'm going to check that out. And, um, you know, and I've found like some of my favorite bands like that just through Friends. And Mm -hmm. the, the thing with, with like, I don't know, like genres and reviews and, um, it's just so like cheerleadery, or the opposite of it's like you know people you got to tear people down, or you got to build them up, or you just got to be you know, and I get it because people aren't going to read it if it's not like interesting or dramatic. But when we get so involved with with uh, just propaganda that we kind of lose sight of what's the real, what is this, you know, right. is is MXPX just this like? pop-punk band that's like a christian pop-punk band these kids or whatever or you know they have a past present and future you know is there more to it than that um so
0: and you've kind of you've talked you've spoken about that actually over the years over the past Mm -hmm. couple years actually more about just like saying like like yeah, we you know we started out and that was kind of like our 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 base at the time was the Christian community and, yeah, and, you yeah know, and then you kind of went through the whole thing where they didn't really accept you too well and they were yeah. well there were people were and it just went back and forth and all those bands went through that at that period a lot of uh, a lot of the kind of the Christian punk bands and the Christian metal bands and stuff like that and who was more pure and you weren't writing the right words and you didn't have Jesus in there you didn't have him in there and so. Um, so and now today, it's just more like it. Just it's like I think we even talked about like your Wikipedia page still has that pop right top yeah, first paragraph. It's like you can't even change it, and you can't change it. And even though I think like at least for you, you've kind of like changed. Yourself. I think the
1: whole band has honestly, but I can't speak for you know those guys. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's just it's something that that has evolved over the years, and and it's for a reason, obviously, but. I'm not the same person I was in high school. I I don't think the same things. I don't believe the same things. I am not who I was. And I don't think any of us are. Um, But just some of us change a lot more in certain ways. Some of us just change our appearance or our style. Um, But other people change like, you know, they change, you know, you can change your surroundings and still be who you are. But usually, over time, those surroundings will start affecting who you are. So I think you know, being in a band on tour has definitely made me who I am today. I would be a different person if I had not been Mike Herrera from MXPX. But, um,
0: but if somebody introduced shaped, you, as, yeah. if somebody introduces, this is a Christian punk pop punk band, you'd be like, no, or would you be like, I've
1: always said no to that. But um, even more so, it's just it's just not part of who we have, who we are anymore. And, uh, it, a lot of it has to do with like, it's almost like I haven't, I have changed a lot, but I think, um, I think just how the world sees, sees, uh, religion has changed a lot over the years. You know, there's more information out there. There's more access to like, to knowledge and to ideas. Hmm. And yes, they're still gonna, everybody's gonna have their own opinion and you can't change what people believe and we shouldn't even talk about it. Um... You know, I just feel like I was silly for even even thinking that I should be preaching to somebody, you know, and I I feel like I haven't done that, you know, uh orally, you know, but in songs I have a little bit, you know. Um but that's just that's a snapshot of who I who I was. Um and I'm still becoming who I am. I mean, we're always changing. Right. And I, I I really, really try not to like jump to conclusions or um overly cheerlead for one thing because as soon as you do you find out something and you're like okay now if i would have known that i wouldn't have said that you know so like you know in some ways like it's it's made me more cautious um but in other ways like i sometimes i just want to like i want to just be completely open with my life but i just feel like i can't do that because so many people are are i don't know just they're so they'd be so bummed You know, they just have an idea of who they think I am and who they think Yuri is. And if they really knew that Yuri, you know, didn't necessarily believe exactly what they did, they would be so bummed. But it's
0: like... We're a lot more judgmental now. Yeah, a lot more judgmental.
1: And it's it's a bummer because I I don't want to be that to other people. You know, I don't don't want to judge somebody because of what they say or or because of what they say they believe or whatever. You know, if they're nice to me, then that's cool, whatever. Um, But you know cuz i have friends that are devout catholics i have friends that are atheists you know all and they're all equally really good friends so um it's such a weird thing you know when you bring in religion into into like su- such a thing as like music where it's it's a subjective medium you know it's 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 all just words and like i don't know ideas and poetry and you know, to songs, but um, you know, sometimes political, sometimes spiritual, I don't know. It's just, it's, it's why, how can people be so quick to define? I mean, it's just so easy to do. It's when we're grown, when we grow up with, with constant commercials, constant propaganda, constant, this is better than this, this is better than that. uh, Of course, there's gonna be this like exceptionalism for what you think is Mm -hmm. true. You know, and and I guess, you know, it's just as time has gone on and as I meet more and more people, I realize the cooler people are the people that really have some ideas to share, but are open about those ideas and and uh and are kind to each other. And I don't want to be around assholes. You know, I'm just life is too good to like waste on somebody berating me because I don't believe what they believe and they think I'm going to hell and you know, it's just you know if if you know we could go on on, on about what's true and what's not and it's not that important to me like to me um it's i'm living this life as if it's all i have you know and i think that's something that religious people forget to do so they think there's going to be the apocalypse and, and right. all of that and you know and that's fine if there is but like let's let's not just assume it's happening let's assume that it could happen but it could also not happen <laughs> so i don't know people are going to be pissed now but uh i'm 36 years old today and i i truly i truly am am proud of what i've done with MXPX like i feel like we're a really a really strong straightforward good band and we haven't done anything with ever the intention to mislead any of our audience ever. We've always said that, you know, you know, this is our roots. This is where we've come from. um, And we're just not that, we're not that way as a band, really. You know, it's more of an individual thing, but people still insist, you know, on they just need that headline to make people click on the link, you know, and it used to be they need the headline to make people turn to the page. So, and I understand that. And, And it happens all the time with politics. It's just like this huge Blow up, and you read the real article, and then three quarters into the article, you're like, "Okay, it wasn't really that big of a deal." (laughs) But now I'm a little more informed than I was, you know. And it happens time and again, and it's happened with us over and over and over. And uh, you know, I have so many friends that are that are Christians and in the Christian music industry, and they're all great people. and And I feel like I could tell them anything honestly, and they would be totally cool because most of them probably feel the same way I do and they just don't say anything. (laughs) But, uh, but you know, it's i I'm comfortable with life. And if it all goes away, I'll figure something out. You know, if nobody tomorrow buys a ticket to a show, um, you know, then that just means I got to do something else, write better songs, write different songs, you know, different style of music maybe, Um, or quit altogether, you know, People always
0: that pizza shops still there, people always
1: say that you know, oh, you just keep trying, you know, but like failing isn't necessarily a bad thing, but when you refuse to learn from from that, that's when it's bad so if you if you're trying to do music and you're just failing and failing and nobody ever comes to see you, maybe it's for a reason, maybe it's because you're no good, maybe you're amazing, but that's not I think the most important thing, whether you're good or not it's is it working? Is your life working? Is this what you're happy with? And, uh, you know, as long as somebody's buying a ticket, I'm happy. You know, I mean, I'm happy to do that job. It's a great job to do. Um, but if nobody's buying tickets, um, I'm happy to go into the studio and, and you know, record other bands. Um, I mean, I have no other work, you know, career related plans um, aside from music, but, Anything's possible I mean I could turn around tomorrow and you know do a completely different job I, I could learn how to do construction if I needed to I'm not above that um, I'm always wanting to learn something new anyway um so but I just feel like I've spent so much time doing music I'm finally actually getting confident and getting better at playing bass and getting better at playing guitar to where Re- right, right then, now you're yeah just I feel it? like' I'm, I'm finally getting
0: 20 years 22 20, years later and you're
1: people are starting to, to tell me more more often like that i'm a good bass player which is strange to me cuz i never So have all heard the other that. times they
0: told you were great they were lying their ass off. <laughs> uh,
1: I, i'm just saying like fans have said that for years but but like other band guys have started to say now that i'm i'm like a really good bass player and i'm like oh well thanks you know i'm just kind of doing it but i don't really consider myself you know i'm pretty just medium bass player i'm just a bass player and i do little fills here and there but um, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, but I, I do feel like it's easier nowadays as far as like live shows. Like I'm not overly trying hard to entertain the crowd crowd. I'm I'm just having fun myself and that in sometimes I'm not have every now and then I don't have a good show like where I can't hear anything and it's bad or I feel like we're not playing well, but um that's few and far between. But mm. usually it's just so fun and as long as it sounds good to the audience, then I'm happy.
0: So second song break, and then we're going to go... I, I got to get in like one little bit, and then we're going go to go lightning round, and we're done. So okay. um, second song break. Uh, th- these are MXPX songs. The song that is most misunderstood by fans, and why?
1: That's a good question. I, I don't know. Um, I, I You would have to... I would have to like read <laughs> explanations by fans and see if see if they were completely wrong. Um, any okay. idea? Like, I mean, I, I don't... All right. So we'll yeah, scrap that one. Yeah, Sorry. Right, so, so here's this one. Song no that
0: changed the most from when it from when you first wrote it to how it ended up in the studio and on the record.
1: Okay. Let's see. Probably Everything Sucks When You're Gone changed quite a lot. It really got like rung through the, the pop ringer. Um that was just like a fun love song that we did and that whole album is is very much, you know, pop. Pop oriented, so it makes sense. Uh, what else? Uh, so, something off life in general probably changed quite a bit. It's hard to remember. I mean, it's like that's that's not the stuff I even think about. <laughs> uh, everything changes a little bit, you know. Everything from especially if you have a producer, but even producing the new album plans within plans, I I had an idea of what it would sound like when it was done. And then recording it, it ends up being, you know, sounding like MXPX. So, and it's all, the MXPX sound is not what it sounds like in my head. It's not quite really? as good. It sounds better in my head, I think. But um, <laughs> that's just me never being completely happy with everything. I, I'm pretty happy with this record overall.
0: So I then what's, it, So then that's the second song. What's your favorite so- song on this record? The new record. The
1: new album? Yeah. My favorite song is Screw Loose. Hmm. Um, maybe not lyrically, but just to play. Love Doing that song, um, I'd probably also stay on your feet. Hmm. I like that song a lot. Squirrel
0: Loose is one of the singles, right? Or it's
1: it's square we're, we're putting a seven inch out, and we that's we right. may that's do a I... video for it. We're talking about a okay. possible video. All right, it's not a single, it's just like it's like the punkest song on the record, but that's what we're doing on this like opposite album, just only like hardcore punk songs as the singles.
0: That's actually really cool,
1: yeah. I mean, I People aren't going to play us because it's a hit song. They're just going to play us because they like MXPX. And if it doesn't work for their station, then it doesn't work. And that's cool. And I don't care. So
2: All I ever needed was to eat popcorn with you. Come on over, watch the lead show. Stay up talking until two. Today's the day you're leaving tomorrow.
0: For the record, and I know it's been like it's been a it's been a wild journey. And I was trying to think of like, okay, so I want to talk about Yuri and Tom and -hmm. what they're doing now. But I had to stop and go, all right, let me try and put this into some perspective. And I remember one of our previous conversations, even at the time when Yuri was talking about leaving. And It was more like, well, maybe we got to look at it from a different perspective. This naturally happens Mm, with the band, and it actually happens with the family. You know, husband and wife have a kid, a couple kids. They go through 18 years together with that kid, and then year 18 and a half, they're out. Mm-hmm. usually they're ready for something new they're, they're out and so the transition happens and so with a band it's the same thing like i think we what we we're talking about is there were some fat record bands at the time and some of these guys that had been on those on that label forever you know and they were usually playing like ended up playing warp tour side stage every year for yeah. years right and they never really kind of got big ever again but these guys like they made their money and they opened up barber shops or they had a diner or they did tattooing and that's what their day job was. And then every now and then they group go back out on the road for a couple of months, and then they come back, or or they would go do weekend shows. And so it's more or less like, this is natural. This yeah. isn't an end, this is just a transition. It's a change in life. It's a yeah. new phase in life. Yeah, yeah, so, um, So how how is this working? I mean, Tom, Tom's working in the shipyard, where his, where his parents, his dad came from, mm-hmm. naval mm-hmm. shipyard there, and Yuri's working in the same shipyard. Yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, and so... How is this kind of this has been going on for two years? Two and yeah, a half. Yeah,
1: about two years
0: they started. So how is this how is this working out for you guys? Because I think that was the whole point. It's like, well we're still gonna make records and we'll do one offs and tour where we can, maybe, but otherwise.
1: Well, we just did our twenty year anniversary shows this summer. Right? And and those guys, you know, Tom and Yuri were were on all those shows. And um the idea was was obviously they're busy. They work every you know, five days a week probably. And um, they get up super early. And so, like, when we practice during the week, which we only do if we have a show coming up or something, um, they'll just show up at, like, 4.30 or 4.15 after work in their work, you know, clothes. And uh, we'd practice. And Yuri goes home. And he can, you know, he has to, like, pre-schedule everything because he has the kids. He has three kids now. Um, But, yeah, I mean, my dad literally just, he's retiring at the end of this year from the shipyard. He's been there, like, 25 or 30 years. So it's just kind of amazing that that they're there, you know, where all of our dads at one time have worked there. Even Yuri's dad used to work there. So um yeah, it's kind of it's it's one of those things where like, you know, in a mining town, father works and then the son grows up and ends up working in the mine. So that's what the shipyard is for for Bremerton. Um but I mean, yeah, naturally he he just he was done, you know, he'd done touring, you know. Yuri yeah yuri and uh tom obviously money is always an issue you know we just couldn't afford to to tour as much as we had to tour to pay the bills that we had it was just not an not enough time in the year to make the money that we you know cuz we weren't making a lot of money um punk rock isn't the best the best career path money wise so you know they kind of i respect absolutely them going and doing you know something else Because it's hard, I couldn't imagine doing that, you know, going from being your own boss to all of a sudden work, you know, going nine to five It was probably more like, like, you know, seven to to four. But it never left them.
0: I remember having conversations with them, like maybe like that first year after they, and you could tell like they were combat and boy, did they miss it. I remember talking to Tom and he was saying, like, I miss it.
1: Yeah, yeah. Like you go sure. to
0: the naval Shipyard, and guys would know him. Like, you're Tom from MXP. Yeah, you're like, yeah, man, I think come they call on. Tom like, rock
1: Rockstar. Rockstar? Yeah. How annoying, right? Gosh. <laughs> but you're never it's never out of your blood. Yeah, no. And Tom still does shows with us and you know, but you know, they just don't tour. So people always want to know, you know, where's MXPX? Where's the original guys? And, you know, I'm just I'm touring kind of for everybody as a surrogate. Um, but you know, they, they're like Go and do the tours, support the records. They, you know, they, everything's like on the up and up. Like my band now hangs out with Tom and Yuri. You know, we all see each other now and then when we play. So it's not like some weird thing where like they're never in the same room together. Like they don't exist separately, you know, uh, or together. But yeah, uh, it's it's kind of cool like that. It's an open relationship.
0: <laughs> yeah, it works. <laughs> so, but as it has it. The, has it thus then when you're alone caused you to maybe feel like you've kind of got like this pressure on you? Well,
1: I feel like I I have to be better than the original, like we, our band has to be better than the original band, you know, technically and show wise, which isn't just takes a little bit of fine tuning, but is easily done because, you know, I, now I'm, I'm, uh, I'm the guy that has the least amount of skills with my instrument, you know. So it's kind of nice. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, I love it. It's so fun because I get to do things. In, it's it's new. It's new. It's fresh. It's it's. We play all these songs, but we do some of the songs differently. We add different things that you never would see us do in the past. Um, and it's subtle. It's not like everything's completely changed or anything. It's just okay, okay. It's just you just get an f- overall feeling of they actually put their own personality into the show rather than just becoming a, a, a parody band. So,
0: right, right, exactly. So the the future for the record is that they're going to continue to record. They'll do shows when they can. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So, um. And I, I think it would be a crime if I didn't at least bring up Tumble Down. And, and I think, you know, ultimately, I, you, you, when was that moment where you, because it's kind of like you're focusing on one thing and that's your whole life is that one thing. Mm-hmm. And everything you do is one thing, at one thing. And then all of a sudden you're like, I want to kind of step over here. It's like, you know, when the, when the singer wants to go do their solo project and the rest of the band goes, What are you doing? Yeah, yeah. Especially when you're, like, the one that's doing a lot. And, yeah, of and course. And so, like, did that, did you go through that whole process? Was there a guilt process for you to, like, or was it just, like, you had to do it? Like well, it it. I,
1: I'd been wanting to do it for years and years, and just, it just took me a long time. Like, seven years I'd wanted to do some sort of project, like, uh, I wouldn't even call it country, but... Um, I mean, it's an easy way to describe it, but right, it really isn't right. country at all. It's it's actually more punk. I would say it would be in a, in the punk genre punk country. of music, right, but yeah, it's yeah. just got more of an acoustic-y feel to it. Um, I right,
0: take country I'm completely out of it. Yeah, because I
1: don't <laughs> sing country or anything, so just... yeah. But musically, it's got some roots to it, yes. yeah, for sure. All right, that's good enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, we're a rock and roll band. We, we hit blues, we hit country, we hit folk, we hit mm-hmm. punk and rock, um, all those things. Um, Southern rock, a little bit of that. But yeah, with Tumble Down, MXPX kind of slowed down touring. We weren't touring as much. Yuri was, um, he had started having kids, so he was always like flying out on a, off the tour to like leave and be home. And so we'd have to have Chris Wilson come in and fill in on drums and... And so, like that, sort of like was already happening. So it was a natural progression once we lost Tom to just get a guitar player. And and I had done a tour without Tom in Europe when he had to fly home for something. So I I had toured without each of those members at one time or another. So it was a natural progression to do the All Stars thing, where I just had two guys with me. And um, you know, people get confused. They always think, "Oh, is is Chris Rove from the Atari going to be on on this tour? Because he was one of the All Stars." But the All Stars was always meant to be like whoever was available to do it. You know, it was it wasn't always like a one this person and this person. Right. So, that's the beauty of it. It's just always me.
0: So um, then how did you get to that day where you finally said, "I want to I'm going to go take a chance on Tumble Down." Like I'm going to make this Yeah.
1: Um, well, I recorded some demos with the guys in Tumble Down uh, as my backing band and you know, it kind of just worked out and we ended up I was like, "Okay, let's like really start practicing." So we started practicing the songs and Ended up booking a little run and went on tour and just really I did jump in both feet first. I, I really awesome. went for it, um, but we were taking time off from MXPX already anyway, so it just made more time. I know I needed that because it was starting to get old. MXPX was was uh, I don't know. I just didn't have I didn't have the the fire, you know. wasn't stoked, and so Tumble Down allowed me to to get away from it, take a break. And then when I went back to write the new album, Plans Within Plants for MXPX, I had everything I needed. I had stories, I had feelings, I had real raw emotion. I had um, all the things you need to really be honest about songwriting. And awesome. yeah, so for me, it's, it's a great thing that Tumbledown did for MXPX.
0: Good question. Both you and Tom are into classic cars. You guys, yeah. like, so what is the secret to being into, uh, like, what's the, what's the art of being into? I mean, because a lot of people that want to, like, oh, I'm going to go get a classic car, I'm going to rebuild something, and then you talk to somebody <laughs> to rebuild, like, you don't do rebuild anything, you don't do that. Like, what's the, what's, like, the art of it?
1: Well, I mean, it just depends on what you're into. Um, you know, it's it's, I've had a lot of different cars over the years, and for me, like, possessions have... Ceased to be as important as, as I guess they were in my life, but uh, I've always just want to use something. Like, I've, I, I find myself like saving something for later, or like, and I, over the years, I've changed my living style to instead of saving something, like if I know I want it and you want to use it right away or, or within the next few days, then I'll keep it. If not, I just leave it. So, like, not accumulating things is, has been sort of like my new hobby. So I've, (laughs) I, uh, I got rid of my, my, uh, Skylark. I had a 65 Skylark for many years and I got this old Beater 56 Dodge truck, which, uh, got painted and just have done extensive overhauling, but I haven't restored it or anything. It's just, I had some buddies do a bunch of work on it. And, uh, I don't know, like for me, it's just, it's just the simplicity of a classic car. I think that's what I love about it—the way it looks, the way it sounds. That's that's uh, the best part, and I'm sure it's same for Tom. You know, just feeling that power behind you, and um, obviously with gas mileage, it's
0: kind of rough <laughs> these days. Yeah, you're pretty much going to the corner CBS and back. Yeah, so that's pretty much where. You're, yeah,
2: <laughs> but you would go through the
0: drive-through CBS just to show off the car. Oh yeah, yeah of yeah. course you got to do that. <clears throat> you go probably go through a lot of drive throughs with a classic car. Um I think we can talk about I think we can mention this, but you're gonna be a dad.
1: Yeah, I am. Yeah.
0: Which is awesome. How does it that's gotta be Yeah, hey, um, I'm
1: stoked. I, I it's hardly it doesn't seem real a lot of times, but um I'm ready, I think. Um I know it's gonna change my life. I don't know quite how. Um I'm letting my wife do all the planning, so <laughs> She's a planner. I'm not. Um, uh, You know, she's amazing. So I I know that it'll be fine, and I'm just gonna kind of like do whatever needs to be done.
0: You already have the names picked out.
1: No names. Awesome. It's a girl.
0: Oh, it is a girl. Yeah, it's a girl. Oh, that's beautiful. That's awesome. So
1: yeah, crazy. That's
0: that's how it's going. All right, so lightning round. We're gonna do this, and then uh, we'll wrap this up. Okay, so here we go. Some of these are. Simple questions. Some of these are things, but all uh, some of these things are maybe a little more involved. But they're just to kind of again. Some of these are to get the get them off the question list from now on, and sure. also others. To, okay, so here we go. All right, <clears throat> all right. Favorite color?
1: Um, well, black. Really? <laughs> uh,
0: yeah, I don't really have. You got to think about. It. All right. Honestly, okay. I don't have a
1: favorite. I mean, I wear a lot of black, but that's just like the style thing. But um, I don't have a favorite. I like red. I like red and black. I like. I like combinations, like combinations, not just one color. Um, so yeah, I like red, black, and white is a favorite, and um, yeah, let's just go with that. It's awesome. Why why am I spending more time on color?
0: (laughs) (laughs) I'm afraid of some of the other ones now.
1: Favorite movie. Uh, I don't have a favorite movie. It changes. It changes, like, I would say one of the movies that moved me most, and, and okay. this has, like, I love comedies. I love, like, all types of movies. Um, but obviously the ones you remember are, like, are the ones that, that make mm-hmm. you think or make you cry. So um, which one? The one? One of the movies that I really enjoyed was... And I can't even remember the name of it. <laughs> There's been so many movies. Um, the one about the dreams. <laughs> so bad, like a space. You know what I'm talking about with, uh, with, uh, what's his name? What? The, the, the kid. No, he's not a kid anymore. The, the one
0: with the dreams with the kid.
1: Um, the one with the dreams with, um, who's eating. No, he's not in that movie. Um. Everybody's gonna be like, "You're such an idiot!" It's this movie. How can it be your favorite movie? I saw it twice in the theaters, um, but it's you know the Dreams Within Dreams movie.
0: Oh, yeah. Um, uh, See, you yes, can't it's think right of it. Where I tip my tongue. <laughs> right, 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 right. Leo DiCaprio. Yes, Leo. Right. See, I exactly. couldn't even think of his All name. you guys, I'm just been, so it's, out of it. It's, a very, I, right, I it's my birthday. I was out last night. I've you know watching some 41. So yeah. Okay. Favorite place to recharge. Here's the list to recharge: oceans, mountains. Grasslands, desert, forests, suburbia, or cities?
1: Um oceans. Oceans. Yeah.
0: And you you live like
1: I live on the ocean. I mean, not really actually. I live on the inlet, but it's saltwater.
0: It's just beautiful. Yeah. It's beautiful.
1: Uh but you know, I I like tropical, definitely. To when I go on vacation, um tropical. It's gotta be. I mean it doesn't have to be. I just went to Rome. It wasn't tropical, it was a city. It was a sightseeing vacation right. of, of course and that was amazing but not so relaxing like you know um cabo mexico is usually where i go um hawaii as well of course but yeah even like when we were in, in asia going to bali i didn't go to the beach but i just i love the heat i love being out in in those climates oh that's awesome yeah. favorite country favorite country in the world favorite country uh, um <sighs> You know, it just depends on why. Because if it has to do with like convenience and <laughs> yeah, uh, cell service, then you the U.S. Um, if it has to do with like Wi-Fi, not the U.S. Like Wi-Fi, <laughs> you can't get Wi-Fi here to save your life. It's just ridiculous. And when you do, it's super slow. The U.S. is behind in a lot of things structurally and infrastructurally. That is sad because we're supposed to be a nation of great wealth, yet. We don't spend we don't spend our money on quality of life. We spend our money on making more money, I guess. Um, but uh, I won't get into that. Let's, uh, yeah, uh, there it is. Favorite junk food. Favorite junk food.
0: The thing is, I uh,
1: you know I enjoy ice cream. Like I enjoy right? ice cream. I enjoy I enjoy almond Snickers. <laughs> it's one of my favorites. Uh, I used to like, for so many years, I didn't eat chocolate. And like the last couple of years, I've been going to Europe a lot more. So I started eating chocolate and uh, I'm kind of on a sweets kick the last year or so. Favorite record of all time? Oh, geez, that is a tough one. I know, that is. It's almost uh, favorite unfair. Favorite record of all time. I don't even know if I could really answer that, but it
0: always changes. It always changes. So the one that you would take... On a fourteen hour flight to Australia, if you only had to take one record and put on your phone
1: hmm right i now. would prob- right okay right now right now, I would probably if, if let's keep it to punk rock and I would okay. say against me hmm. um the latest one, so white crosses um just because it's a really solid record and and there's plenty of other amazing records to to take but I feel like I've heard all my other favorite records so much that I just can't just but I would say, you know, also like Black Flag. But see, To Take on a Flight, you know, like that's a good all-around record. There's punk songs, there's pop songs on the right. record. Yeah. And it says a lot, too, so it makes me think. So, awesome. Yeah. Uh
0: favorite old standard. Now that could be anything from pretty much 70s back.
1: Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've always loved that song "Walking the Floor Over You" by I think Ernest Tubb's.
0: Mm, okay.
1: Um, and it's an old like country standard. Um, yeah, that's I. You know, I don't I don't really have favorites. Like honestly, I don't think of life like that. Hmm. Like I honestly like I have moments, favorite moments.
0: There's gonna be an interesting list and, then. Uh, <laughs>
1: yeah it's really hard for me because i I don't think in terms of like top 10, top five because I'm constantly I'm, I'm constantly like into something different, um, but not always new. Like I go back and then I'll listen to something that I haven't listened to in a while. I would say favorite record now that I think about it a little bit more, Liveage, you know, Liveage was always a huge record for me. Hmm. Um, it sort of informed how a band, how a band should sound live to me. Um, an honest punk type band. Um, even though it's an album and it's like, okay, probably it was edited in between songs and stuff. But like, I always admired that about The Descendants. It was just a really great sounding, raw sounding mm-hmm. record. Great songs as well. Um, Tom Petty, which album? I mean, there's so many good ones. The um, greatest hits. You can't go wrong with Tom Petty right. and, and The Wallflower's greatest hits. Also, a, a sort of a standard.
0: Musicians that would be part of your. Fellow musicians that'd be part of your posse. If you had like a Vegas posse, <laughs> who would be part of that oh, Vegas shit. posse that are uh, musicians that
1: Well, um this is gonna be hard. I'm gonna forget people and people are gonna be mad. Um, but I'd say Lewis from Gasoline Heart is part of my posse. Um you know, Mike from Nofex, uh you know, and sometimes I'm not always like super close to people, like I'm not always in contact with everybody. Mm-hmm. Um but oh I would definitely say Stefan from from uh the descendants. Right. Good, good right. close friend. Um Ethan and the the Reliant K guys, good buddy. Seth from Lakes used to be in Watashiwa, played with MXPX mm-hmm. for a while, also a homie. So, I mean, I've got these like smattering of friends. Uh, all the guys from Newfound Glory, good Charlotte right. guys. I mean, obviously, people we've toured with over the years, you know, um, Goldfinger guys, Real Big Fish guys. I mean, There's like so many bands. Lesson Jake, dearly love Lesson Jake, definitely homies. Um, you know, and like bands like we're on tour right now with Unwritten Law, and like I hadn't seen those guys for a long time. So, getting to know them better now. And it's great. They're awesome. Oh, love, awesome. love hanging out with them. Um, you know, it's always like the tour you're on is what you can remember. But I mean, like everybody we tour with is, has been so cool. We've really been treated well. You know, people people either love us or hate us, Right. but it seems like a lot of guys in bands used to listen to us, you know? Like, <laughs> oh yeah, I used to listen to them. It's like a under their breath kind of thing, you know, but... Um, let me think, you know, I mean, there's some of the bands that we're getting to know, you know, like Gas, Gaslight Anthem, you know, seeing them along the way on tours, getting to know them a little bit better here and there um, against me. Also, you know, these are people I admire as well, you know, getting to meet those guys and and Laura, she's amazing. Uh, let's see who else. It, it's funny to hear because like a lot of these bands you talk to, um, that I didn't previously know from years ago, still have usually an MXPX story. You're like, oh yeah, I saw you guys here or there or whatever. <coughs> and that always embarrasses me because I'm like, oh great. You know, like <laughs> I didn't remember you from then, but Yeah. Favorite, always treat people well, you know, and then you don't have anything to worry favorite about.
0: Favorite time period in American history, the one you would go back and live in?
1: Um probably well, I mean, obviously there's there's pros and cons to everything, but <clears throat> I've always been interested in you know, 60s, the 50s, around there. Um, I don't know. I just don't want to go too far back because I, I hate the no electricity, no running water thing. <laughs> I'm sure there were great times. It seems like, you know, the the roaring 20s were, were really fun if you were at the right party, but then every other time you're just like, you know, trying to get a bath and, you know, the things, it's just weird. Yeah.
0: Favorite phone app. The one that you can't live without.
1: Oh yeah, favorite phone app. That's kind of ridiculous. I don't know if I have a favorite, but um, I love <clears throat> I love Slow Pro for video. Mm. I think it's called Slow Pro. I use it. I don't even use like the slow motion part of it. I just use use it as a video thing because I think it looks good. But um, I Instagram. I use that a lot. I use Twitter a lot. Mm. I wouldn't, and I wouldn't say it's my favorite app because of. How it works? Right. It's just you know what it does, um, the ease of of getting getting out your thoughts. But um,
0: yeah, favorite time of year,
1: summertime, obviously.
0: Favorite type of animal,
1: <laughs> I like dogs.
0: Dogs, dude. Favorite piece of rock and roll memorabilia that you now own?
1: Um, probably my guitars. I don't know if they're rock and roll memorabilia. I don't think I have any rock and roll memorabilia. Really. I mean I have like band shirts and posters and I don't really have any memorabilia. I've got signed albums like but
0: nothing I think that's worth anything or you know favorite phrase to say. Like what's your what's your phrase that everybody says of they make fun of you they say that phrase.
1: Probably Either the when I do a fake laugh, I go. Uh, uh, uh. <laughs> I do this. I do that all the time if somebody makes a bad joke. Um, so much so that when other when when it's appropriate, Jack or, or Harley will do that in my stead.
0: Favorite lyric that you sing? Like, what's the favorite lyric? Like, if you were going to get a tattoo <clears throat> of your fa- of your lyric, yeah, like fans do. Yeah. What would be the lyric?
1: That's a good question. I can't just, I can't, I gotta be subjective and not only think about the new album, but um, I do have, uh, I've got Tomorrow Never Comes tattooed on me, which is a line from a song. Mm-hmm. Um, which song is it? I think it's a song off Panic. But Fa- yeah.
0: Favorite item of clothing you'd wear every day if you could get away with it.
1: These shoes, if they never wear out. <laughs> I love these shoes. I'm always looking for, like... I, I've looked to try to, like, replace them, and nothing ever comes quite quite the same.
0: So, okay, now here's the, here's a the closing question. So, especially, this is going to work out really well now. So, it's 10 years from now. Yeah. And you got your daughter. Mm-hmm. Okay. Maybe you got another one or a son or something on there, too. But just, we'll go with one <laughs> okay. right now. Yeah, that's all I'm all right, all right, okay, we'll just plan for that. So, they're on your lap, and you're out in the front step. And you want to have one of those father-daughter moments and you want to tell her something about life, like what to expect. That's heavy. So what would you, what have you, what would you say? Cause like once you start thinking you're going to become a father, you're like, you know what? I'm going to teach her this. I'm going to teach her that. I'm yeah. Gonna tell her this.
1: It's so hard because do you, are you truthful or do you, you know, I always kind of want to like be somewhat truthful to my kid or to people in general really, but without, um, without, uh, I guess, assuming I know everything, (laughs) you know, because people just like teach their kids things, you know, with what they think is the best way to do things. And it makes sense. You know, that's what you do. You, you gotta go with what you know, but unfortunately some people don't know shit. So (laughs) it doesn't (laughs) happen quite right. Uh, so for me, I guess I just, uh, I want to be fair. I want to, I'd want to tell her to, I guess just uh I don't know what's what, what's most important being happy um having a good 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 outlook on life and so I think if if we if we're teaching her you know good values and to treat people well and to investigate you know I think that's that's something that that we forget to do sometimes, but um, I don't know, does it have to be that heavy? probably not i think I think probably she's just gonna wanna know you know if we can get a puppy, and I'm gonna say, <laughs> yes, we can get a puppy, and you know this is all this is what we got and and i'm 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 just here to take it all in one day at a time, and it's been amazing, so.
0: This has been great. I, literally, I probably had to wipe out half the questions that I would have asked you because, but we had to condense a lot. Yeah, so, sorry. So, yeah. no, no, it's it's great. So, I just really appreciate you coming in and doing this. This means we're going to have to do a part two someday.
1: Yeah, if people like it, please respond because obviously nothing gets done without being a squeaky wheel. And, you know, <laughs> um, people probably have a lot of, a lot of more questions now. But, or maybe not. Maybe it's just like that guy's kind of boring and his <laughs> voice puts me to sleep. So, I'm going to put it on when I can't sleep. Which is totally cool too. As long as there's a utility for me somewhere, um, I guess I've always just just felt like, you know, not everything has to have a purpose. As long as, as long as uh, somebody's enjoying whatever it is,
0: and maybe that's what you teach your daughter.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Maybe.
0: Thank you for the time.
1: Thanks for having me. <laughs>
0: AP podcasts are recorded at Lava Room Recording Studio in Cleveland, Ohio, a New York City quality studio at Cleveland Prices. Check out www.lavaroomrecording.com. For more information on Alternative Press Magazine, go to www.altpress.com. The podcast engineer is John Walsh. Post-production assistance from Robert Tenzi. I'm Mike Shea, and this is All My Fault. You can reach me directly at www.myspace.com slash Mike Shea AP. That's S-H-E-A like the stadium, AP.